de, de, de Colores Radio. De, de, de Colores Radio. Hi, hello, bienvenidos. Welcome to The Colores Radio. This is episode 67. We're so close. To what? To the next episode. And then? And then to 69. <laughs> We're trash. Um, how is everyone doing? I am so glad to be with some of my favorite people. Thank you all so much for listening. I'm your host, Eva Arreguin, and with me is Rafael... Retweet Tamayo. Hi. <laughs> Eva, how are you? Eva? Oh my God, my jaw dropped. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Are I don't, you... I'm, I'm lit a little bit because I had some Simply Orange, but yeah. I actually feel pretty good. I know that's rare to say, but I can't complain. How are you, pal? Thanks for asking how I'm doing first. I'm really <laughs> shook by that. I had to. I had to flip the script. We love that. We love a feminist. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Bare minimum Twitter. Um, anyways, how are you? I'm doing great. Fan-fucking-tastic. Are you lying? No. Are you sure? I don't trust you that much. Not about that. You shouldn't. Not <laughs> about that, I don't. He's uh, an actor. I feel fine. I'm doing great. Damn, that's <laughs> that sad look afterwards did not make me believe that. But we're going to keep moving because we don't have time, okay? Okay. <laughs> Anyways, I'll talk about your emotions later. Um, Yay. Rafa, what's really going on? I, um, I haven't talked to you in a minute, so I don't actually know what's going on in your life. Uh, I want to know what your internal temperature is. You like that pitch change? <laughs> I, yikes. I want to give our listeners an insight into our personal energy, into how we are feeling right now, into the reality of our existence. That's right, we're less. Oh, <laughs> that's right, we're translating our feelings in the best way we know how. Memes. It's time for meme mood. Yay! Oh, I gotta share mine. Yeah, you do. Go ahead. Okay, I gotta cue it up. Let me get my technical. Um wizardry yes we love a facebook link why you gotta call me out that's the technical wizardry wizardry wow that was hard to say so so the scene it's kind of funny it's from uh stepbrothers but i think more visually the tiktok represents how i feel okay go ahead visually so if you want to just it's like a warped video of a tiktok I know you touched my drum set, and I want to hear that dirty little mouth admit it. Get out of my face, or I'm going to roundhouse your ass. You swear oh in your mom's life that you didn't touch this it. This is stressing me out. <laughs> that right there. <laughs> <laughs> that last image. That's how I feel. Okay. I actually <laughs> feel that. That's my But look mood. at the guy's nose. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, this is a TikTok, so you've advanced yeah. to 2019. We are no longer on the vines. Rest uh, pour in some vine. out. That was a big deal on Vine. I never tell you that. I hate you so much. Can, have we ever told this story? We have. Uh, we told it a he has. Times. He had one vine that had like five thousand views. Sixty-five thousand no, loops. That yes, it. Okay. 
Yes. Yes. It was a vine see. of a TV screen of the Cowboys after the <laughs> lost. After I the catch. Say, I didn't say it had to be like next generation innovative. But it just this, had to be this, dope. My favorite part is that this man was in Selena the movie and does not mention that to anybody Wait, ever. What? <laughs> I was but, a big deal on Vine. But he cares more about this fucking Vine <laughs> of the TV screen. Uh, I was I was more, more a king. <laughs> I mean, don't remind him. He doesn't want to believe it. Anyways, that's a funny Vine. Find this Vine. I'll be back. Good luck. It's all gone. <laughs> it's dead. Um, I didn't, uh, I never properly prepare a me mood. I'm going to be honest with y'all. But I saw this cute doggy. That's at um, one of the Chilean protests, and they're wiping and cleaning his um, dust and his um, eye boogers, I guess. And it says, look at this brave protest dog getting his eyes washed by Chilean protesters. And I feel like the dog is a mood, you know? He's got a good support team around him. He's going to keep fighting the evils of the world. And so I feel like this <laughs> this doggo, he's so cute. Don't cry. <laughs> and then Veronica from, not Song Mess, Jesus, Radio Menea said, wholesome content, Fuerza Chile. And I have to agree. But also the dog is cute. And he's got his little tongue out. So that is my me mood for today. Um, last episode, we aired for you all part two of our Cabronas y Chingonas slash Latinos Who Lunch collaboration <laughs> Um, I believe it was called Too Fat, Too Brave. Um, we received really great feedback from that. And um, we didn't cover too much of Juice or anything because we just really re-aired that episode. But today, we've got all the news in the world because Dallas, I don't even know how to describe the DFW anymore. I don't know how to tell people because it has its charm. It's beautiful. We love it here. Um, but there's so many things happening now that I'm just like... We're all like in PTSD and we haven't stopped. Um, but strangely enough, our, our our guests are in the news. So today we are welcoming uh, Cassandra Jaramillo and Obed Manuel um, from the Dallas Morning News as our guests. You might have heard them giggling during that entry. Um, but they're going to be here with us today to be interviewed. And then they'll also be sitting with us during the juice. So if y'all are ready, we're going to hop into it. Let's do it. Yay. So this is The Juice, where we cover the latest gossip on pop culture, politics, news, and more. Um, so I think it was the day we recorded the intro for last episode. Yeah. Um, and we talked a little bit about um, Botham and, and all of that situation. And then that night, I guess, is when the Joshua Brown news broke, or maybe a couple hours after that. Um. And so that situation is really heartbreaking. I know you're covering that directly, right? I don't know if you want to give us some of the updated facts, but what we did know, like, in the most broadest sense, was that Joshua Brown was one of the people that testified during Botham's case, and he was his neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then a week later, stressed, right? he, he ends up dead. Right. Um, and so, obviously, there's a lot of mistrust of government. There's a lot of mistrust of cops, which we constantly talk about on this show. Um, with reason and so just the way it looked did not seem like it was just some weird drug g- drug bust gone wrong not drug bust but you know drug deal gone wrong which is kind of how dpd framed it um so it was it just it was overwhelming for me i know i stepped away from social media at the time and i had gone out of town ta- out of town but i was just like 
we look like fools. Um, but I'm sure you can provide us a little more context on the updates. Absolutely. Well, you know, what law enforcement has said as a result, you know, they've acknowledged some of the, the controversies and questions about their investigation. But, um, you know, what, what they have said is that they are they've worked on the case diligently. And um, after talking with the suspect who survived the shooting incident that happened, um, he described events that were those of three individuals coming from Louisiana to Dallas mm-hmm. to meet with Joshua Brown to buy weed. Weed, right. Um, and there was an altercation between them, between Joshua Brown and another individual. And so the one who ended up in the hospital was somebody who was in the car, right? And that's who police ultimately found and were able to interview, and that's the information that he's provided. But, you know, we at the Dallas Morning News, we're following up on that case because there's still a third suspect who's out um, at large. And so, you know, at this time, those those suspects from attorneys have not refuted any details of what police have said, but obviously the timing of this all just, you know, raised questions. Right. Um, I mean, it looked like something out of a movie. Absolutely. It, really it did, yeah. Like, like this guy spoke up and, you know, it's 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 one of those situations where it's, it's timing mm-hmm. and it's like, was he tied up in something? Um, I mean, time will tell once these investigations confirm it. I mean, you know, it's, it's people were calling for like an independent investigation. Right. Yeah, yeah like, I definitely heard that's that. That's what we're about is transparency and like, mm-hmm. like I think also more, what you know. didn't help in the situation is that it was hitting social media first mm-hmm. that Joshua Brown had died and the police department went hours, actually a whole day. Yeah, we didn't hear anything. Without confirming it. And when I asked officials about that, what they've told me is that they wait to make a statement publicly whenever um, they receive like official next of kin identification is there to identify the body with a medical examiner so that's their story but how did we know about it before they could say that because you had folks who were close to joshua brown like lee merritt and dominique alexander Mm -hmm. who quickly heard through their circles he's been killed and so i think that led to a lot of controversy because naturally people are like why aren't the police saying anything about this you know and and when I asked them why the delay, because y'all are the police, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can go to the scene and you quickly kind of know with the within a few calls who it is. But their whole protocol is publicly we don't make the statement until a relative is there and identifies the body. Medical examiner does their thing. Now we'll say something. I just don't know why they weren't able to, before all of that, mm-hmm. explain Yes, we understand that reports are saying, you know, that the body or the, um, you know, the deceased victim was witness Joshua Brown, so on and so forth. We have to wait for medical examiner next of kin notification. Something. I mean, there's been moments, there's been instances in the past, and I think it's situations like this that are probably some of the reasons that create the mistrust is because, you know, when the when when the the shooting happened on a police officer, there was a mistaken identity situation mm-hmm. where they wrongly accused someone that was apparently a suspect and they were like, oh no, it's the wrong guy. And like 
you know, maybe there should be some checking of sources on the flip end as well. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing that's, it just, and even the story, it sounds like bullshit. Like that doesn't make sense at all. Like really this situation, these people came from Louisiana to get some weed. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. People drive long distances from Louisiana for, for some weed. For, people no. drive farther. And then they left the weed behind. People, that's where I'm like, okay. That's what I'm saying. None <laughs> I'm of this like, adds up. We already don't trust y'all. Y'all's inability to to communicate with us makes us we, makes it even harder to trust y'all. And then y'all giving us these BS responses to that. It's like y'all want us to not trust you, but Dallas is also still <clears throat> obsessed with cops at the same time. And we have this different trauma that leads to other weird like fetishization of the cops, honestly. And so I just, and I know you, that is your whole thing that you like study and work with, I guess. Um, I don't know if study is the right word or if that's used in school only, but I mean, that's what it is, right? Like your work is focused on that. So it, it's just really mind blowing this whole situation. And then a couple weeks later, I'm going to keep going because there's a lot to cover. Um, but the Joshua Brown situation is so heartbreaking. And um, then there's even more that happens in Fort Worth a couple weeks mm -hmm. later. And uh, that is um, that I believe it was also like on a Saturday night um, or Saturday afternoon or it was like literally was two late. weeks later. <laughs> and um, a Tatiana Jefferson, a black woman in Fort Worth who was playing video games with her nephew late at night. Um, her neighbor had wanted to do a wellness check, which means he did not call 911. He called 311. Mm -hmm. Non-emergency call. Correct. Yeah. And uh, because their doors were open and he thought that seemed a little suspicious late at night with reason. Um, and she ends up dead at the hands of a cop um, in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, which is not far from Dallas. It's called DFW for that reason, for all our non-Texan listeners. Um, but it is a a real, tra another tragedy, right? We've had these nonstop mm -hmm. situations happening for the past, um, I want to say few years with trans murders, with all these deaths that are happening and it's just so, so, so heavy. And um, it's so, like, I almost forget that, like, I'm on Twitter with a lot of similar-minded people, right? And so, like, I see this, and then I go somewhere out. I go to a pizza joint, and I hear somebody like, what, this happened? Oh, my God, like, three days later. And I was like, how have you not heard this, right? <clears throat> like, how is this not in your your thought process that, like, these things are happening to people? People are afraid to be in their own house now. That was the one safe place they had and they're not even safe there. So what do, where, where can black people be safe? Did you see the video of uh, the white attorney that spoke? At the council meeting? I think so. I saw, I saw part of it. I didn't and see so the this, whole thing. And so this white, uh, middle-aged white woman spoke and said that she had called the police or somebody had called the police for a similar check on her. Cops showed up through her back, uh, her backyard dog was barking and she got really scared and she was like i was terrified that my dog was going to be killed she was like and that was my worry as a wow. black woman my worry is i might be killed and she's like that's white privilege 
And the reality of it is like even no matter how much scrutiny you go through in diffusing that situation and the other, there's going to be differences. But at the bottom line, when you talk about how we're preparing the police officers, that man had more training with a gun than he did with diffusing situations when it comes to handling a wellness check. And like when you even like as recently as this past weekend, when I'm trying to drive through state fair traffic, you see how like how how short that fuse is mm-hmm. and it's like bro we you know we trust these forces with our lives to protect us to serve us that's what we've been told that's what we've been told and that's what we're supposed to be doing right and then it's like unless you completely empathize with the type of situation that your life is on the line for being in your own home and not doing anything to anyone and minding your own damn business you have to understand that there's a problem right and then and that's where it gets difficult also because I know um, within the industry y'all are in, which I want to talk more about later, is how the media like – and it, it's not all the media, right? Because these things all work together. And um, so I guess from – because I've like worked in media but like in a different way. And so that's where I'm like it's not completely the media, but at the same time they do hold a lot of the power, right? Like a lot of these different um, like producers and EPs and all these people of like the news like on TV media really um, I think holds even – a different power right because i think people are consuming that a lot more than reading the newspaper um which is not saying like it's a battle necessarily but i'm like the way that those things are framed are really important and like saying oh she had a gun right and then that becoming the headline instead which is like she was in her house she was licensed to carry she she wasn't doing anything wrong if somebody's creeping up on you through your backyard you and you have a gun you should have your gun out. And I will right. say, like, I think, and I'm sure you'll remember this from, like, journalism school. It's, like, we are taught, like, the, the, the power that we have in terms of, like, shaping the narrative of a story. Right. And it's just one of those, like, crucial steps. Like, we have these conversations all the time. Not just, like, her and Cassandra and I, but, like, across newsrooms, journalists mm-hmm. are, are having these conversations about how do we, you know, help leadership see the need to... um highlight certain stories how do we not you know there's a like for example the, the one of the best examples i can think of recently and this is a story cassandra did an amazing job at was the el paso shooting mm. was we had our man on the ground our, our boy alfredo corcello who mm-hmm. writes with such authority and i'm really proud of the editors because they didn't water down the tone like mm. they said this was a white Supremacist, male white, supremacist, supremacist, white supremacist right. who attack, went down yeah, yeah. and it was the a hate attack you know attack but and that takes so much right because i mean i would assume so because like i often get worried and i've joked about it like even when your story came out about us right like i was like i talk about white supremacy left and right like that's <laughs> it's a joke to me at this point right i'm like you know calling it what it is and so I always think that that's going to be like, see, people will find me. The Nazis will find my account, you know, or like something. And they don't. And so it makes me laugh because they don't they don't attack me for that. They'll attack me for other things like my appearance or this and that. And so it makes me laugh because I'm like when I talk to older people that I don't necessarily see as my like target demographic necessarily. They're like, well, they can't say anything because you're not wrong. And I'm like, oh, okay, because I have asked people like, why haven't. They jumped on me yet, mm. right? We've been doing this almost three years, and I'm not. It's not like I'm <laughs> sugarcoating this shit, um, but I do find it fascinating because it's like if you call it what it is, like, mm-hmm. can you really deny that when it's facts? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, 
So with that said, that story happened two weeks after that. Um, and there's a lot still developing in that right now, I believe. I didn't get to read too much into it, but I know Pat was mentioning to us about the funeral and all that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any insight into that situation. There's been a lot of uh, family disputes uh, within Tatiana's mm-hmm. uh, you know, relatives, just how her funeral should be handled and um, disagreements related to that. Also... Going back to just the the handling and the police procedure of this mm-hmm. all, this neighbor called it in as a non-emergency wellness check. For whatever reason, a dispatcher put out the call as an open structure call, which a police is going to approach much more differently. What is an open structure call? Basically, that means that police have received a call about a building that is open, that may have had Mm. a burglary happen. I mean, sometimes officers get these calls and they show up and there's someone, you know, who's been murdered, cut Mm -hmm. up. And so they're going in at like a much heightened level of, you know, just we don't know what's going to happen. And so I think we're going to probably hear a lot more developments on why was the call dispatched that way? But that's probably how they're going to run with it and frame it. Don't doesn't don't you think? I mean, they fired the cop. They well, he's been fired, right? But he was like, what wasn't it like the cop association that paid so many thousands to get him out right away? Also, like that was the there's the all state. these different toxic things within like policing, right? And just how they're able to get away with this shit, and people will put down a hundred k. For someone who murdered an innocent black woman to get out and be free. And so, like, that's where I'm like, oh, this structure is so frustrating to me because people are quick to back them and quick to support them and quick to throw all their money at them when it's like, why can't they be held accountable? Why is it so hard to but do I that? But I think you did see city officials, though, not back the police, which... which with Fort Worth? With Fort Worth, which, okay. you know, they... The mayor came out with a yeah. very strong statement and that's a, and she's saying a there's nothing. Yeah. She is. She's that very anti-immigrant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she said in her statement, in her statement, she said, you know, there's nothing that justifies what happened that night. I mean, that's a big statement to come from Betsy Price well, based on her previous But see, experience. and that's where, like, I take it as BS, right? Because they know what to say because they know this is national news and they know if they say the wrong thing, they're going to get blasted. And so to me, it's BS when you're still not as whatever her name is, you, your track record shows that you don't care the black and brown people in your community in Fort Worth, because I talked to the black and brown people of Fort Worth and she doesn't. Right. And so that's where I'm like, you're saying that because you know, you're being watched like a hawk right now. And if you say anything out of line, this, this is a national news story, just like Botham was just like Joshua Brown was just like all these cases are because we're under the microscope. So of course she's going to say what she needs to say because she knows if she says anything out of line, her true colors will show. There's a reason Fort Worth is the most conservative County nearby like Tarrant County. Absolutely. Like, no, that's why I don't trust any of them. (laughs) Like I don't, I don't. And if and if it was different, then these people wouldn't be getting murdered in their house. That goes for all these city officials. That goes for all of these police departments. That's why we have to hold them accountable. That's where I'm like, that's ugh, there's just so much there. Well, we definitely heard from experts too that said who said that this all shows a problem within like police training culture where you are always thinking basically like if I <clears throat> It's either kill or be killed, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's like 
where's the part of community first and where's the part of kind of looking to diffuse a situation because if you look at training with police officers it's much more defensive use of force tactics that are the basis of their foundations and teachings Mm -hmm. over de-escalation and that's like you've attended that and seen that sort of thing i have not gone through a whole police academy but just knowing like what police have to learn and the hours of training that they take and just at the legislative session like you know how some public officials are fighting for police training to be changed and have more Emphasis on de-escalation, implicit bias, right? Yeah. And I even, that even those words irritate the shit out of me. No, for real though, that's implicit what they, and so that's what like I was a, saying. A like word, like the diversity training, to me. The training with an actual gun compared to like de-escalating a situation right. based on whatever, like a, a mental health check or anything like that, was ridiculous. The the it was like one to a hundred in terms but of hours. But even like with with Geiger when she, I forgot my procedure how you forgot to care for a human isn't that what y'all are supposed to be doing serving protecting like straight up you forgot because you're prioritizing yourself and not the human in front of you that's in your city and is paying your taxes and paying your fucking money but i'm uh okay maybe i won't drink any more orange juice um anyways (laughs) with that said i i i don't know how this is going to develop but i really want to see the people of dallas and fort worth and beyond demand more of these people because we don't need this to keep happening um i want to mention rafa you can help me out with this because i don't know your history with our dear Mm. friend um but a lot of this was connected in my mind um because all of this was happening right after each other um so joshua passed or the botham case happened joshua passed and then uh tatiana passed and then a local legend um brilliant poet passed um uh rage almighty who was uh, an acquaintance of mine he worked at big thought with me i don't know if i've ever put my 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 job's name out there but now you know i was an intern there in high school i know you told me (laughs) we'll talk about it later um with aaron right yeah okay i remember she told me that um but but rage was a brilliant poet and um his passing he was 35 years old passed from a heart attack um really suddenly um about a week and a half ago it was a heartbreak to every single person that knew him because he was so powerful and he knew so many people. Um, Rafa, I'm sure you have more history on him because I only started to get to know him in the last year or two. Um, And I was looking forward to working with him because we were going to do something with hip hop and poetry and with our students. And so um, I'm very grateful that I did get to know him for the short time I did because he definitely carried a light and you knew he was special. Um, But to say he's a legend and the way he inspired and changed our kids, y'all, like, I don't think people understand. And I want Dallas to know his name because he's that powerful of a person. Um, every student we've had that talks about him is broken. And they he taught them how to be poets and how to write. And, and, and he really was, like, our master teacher. Um, so he's really going to be missed. But I'm sure you know maybe more of his was, startup yeah no he was um he hey, was a he was a he was a big deal like um he was also a battle rapper who i, I know that's what times. i heard he started um yeah so he was really dope but he was um man he was so fucking dope 
Like, it's just crazy to think you get used to people just, you take their amazing, like, energy, energy for granted. Because gran- he was everywhere um, all the time, y'all. Yeah, and so, like, the hip-hop community knew him great. Like, they, they, they knew him. He was, like, a little brother to so many, and he was, like, a big big brother to more and he was like a father figure to a lot of people all of our students um, were saying that literally uh he was like known he was cool with the kickball family we had him perform at a few of our events um he did a bunch of stuff here he did fundraisers he was the number two ranked slam poet in the world uh in the fucking world from dallas um he wasn't born he's here from but like boston but he's claiming dallas because he's been here for over 15 years i think and um like he did a bunch of stuff with the Oakland Cultural Center. He he, like led the the Dallas Youth Poetry mm-hmm. Group, and um, he was just so dope and so humble. And like, I don't know that he really understood how amazingly mm-hmm. talented he was. But outside of all of that, he was just a good human being. Like yeah. you could shoot the shit with him, and you could be real and be honest, and you could be as vulnerable as you wanted to. And he was a person that that you could like legit count on. And it just sucks because you really do realize like how much a person does once they're, once they're gone. And it just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, for sure. He's like a real life superhero. He was a huge nerd, big Deadpool fan, um, just big nerd. Like I yeah. really, and so to me now I'm like, he's like, he was a superhero and he really um, has inspired me in a lot of ways and, and, and kind of did even when I knew him. But like now it's like, I was at a place where like I had taken a week off of work. I've been feeling really drained from work and overwhelmed and burnt out. And I was just like not feeling good. And on the last day of my, my break is when he passed. And so it really put a lot of things into perspective for me. Um, just to, to remember all the powerful things he was doing and his legacy and, um, remind me of like the gift I have to work with kids right and to connect with them similar to how he did in a completely different way nobody can do what Rage did but it really reminded me of like the work I'm doing and and how I need to you know stay in it and 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 remember the joy and the beauty of being able to connect with young people and inspire young people and be inspired by them because that's the kind of work it is and he did that and so much more and so it was after all these passings and things like that as well. So I know I was telling a friend of mine as well that I felt like it was metaphoric as well, that like his name was Rage, right? We called him Rage. And he was like the most, he was angry and rage. Like there was a re- reason he had the name, but he was also like the sweetest person you could ever meet. And so it just reminded me of like, there's beauty in rage and like, it's okay for the legacy of rage as an action, as a feeling um, to exist and to live on. Because I think in these times, there's so much going on and we feel like we have to be all happy and cheery and keep pushing and not sad and not frustrated. And it was like, no, like his legacy really um, will live on. And, and it's reminded me like, I can be fucking angry. I can be filled with rage and still move mountains and and do all these things so i've heard there's going to be a mural of him in dallas and i can't wait to see it because he really had such a huge impact on so many different um creative scenes here 
And I know Will was like, he's one of the only poets that could navigate all circles and was respected in all of them. Um, Because there's just, you know, there's problems in every industry. (laughs) But um, I just wanted to take a moment to shout him out. And I I wish I had done it, you know, while he was still here. But I'm happy to have known him and to honor him as we move forward. Um, With that said, there's so much bad news. Golly. Bad Uh, news bear. (laughs) (laughs) You're so corny. Um, I know there's protests happening in Chile right now. Um, I wish I could get more into it. Um, I, I just, I just wish we would do the same. That's pretty much all I'm going to say because we keep looking at all these other um, country. I think Lebanon as well. Like there's so much happening throughout the world. And I think power to the people and remember how much power we have if we decide to do this. (laughs) Because I've been saying that for a long time. I think we need to demand more. And so um, our solidarity to that. Then something that happened uh, last week. (sighs) was the fucking Trump rally (laughs) at the American Airlines Center. That's why you were there. Oh, shut the hell up. Don't you dare put that on me. Um, Sorry, I said I'm going to try to curse less. I said that, didn't I? I lied. Um, Also, this was interesting. Apparently, they opened a new Louis Vuitton store in Tejas. I don't think it's a store. Oh, not a store. Whatever. Factory. Factory, yeah. Wow. Okay, sorry, that Dad. Was one of the stops. <laughs> you what? That was one of the stops, I think, that's before fake. the A's. Exactly. So, yeah. And so that's... I low-key always wanted some Louis V in my life, but now I can't because Trump went there and the owner was, like, happily welcoming him to cut the ribbon, I believe. Um, so, uh, fuck Louis Vuitton, I guess. Um, it's fine. Um, the Trump rally looked terrifying. It was, I live like not that far from AAC. So I was like, weird flex. But no, okay. it's not a weird flex. <laughs> the hood's not that far away. Okay. Um, I'm not really in the hood hood, but whatever. That's another issue. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> shut up. You really need to shut up, Mr. Deep Ellum. No, I'm not. I don't live in Deep Ellum. Um, I don't live in Deep What's Deep wrong with Deep Ellum? <laughs> <laughs> We're like all outing our personal lifestyle. <laughs> um, Yeah. I heard helicopters that whole night. Okay, can I tell you the Were strangest? Were you able to see? Can you see the crowd from the high rise that I'm, you're in? I know or? you're not <laughs> pretending. My brown ass is oh. in there. Man, they look so small down there. What is wrong with him? <laughs> from the high rise? That's what you're joking about? Okay. I have like literal ants walking into my apartment right now. <laughs> um, Poor you. <laughs> For, first, She's got ants. First floor ants. problems. <laughs> first. Oh, God. So anyways, um, the monstrosity after the Trump rally, there were literally four wrecks on my way home. <laughs> and it was at 1130 at night. So that was like, it gave them time to go home. It's really late. But these, I don't even know what's a nice, I don't have a nice name to call these dumb motherfuckers is really what they are. Um, what? Don't make a vase. That's heavy. Is no, heavy? you just said you weren't going to cut. I know, so and then like, you gave me some Simply Orange. Nah, I mean, don't bl- orange hey, juice. You, you a grown-ass woman. Whatever. <laughs> don't blame it on me. It's your fault. Um. <laughs> anyways, I saw four wrecks on the way home. Yeah. 
And so I was like, this has to be them. There's not, there are many games there, <laughs> many concerts there, many things there every day. And I have never, ever taken 30 minutes to get to my house. It actually was almost an hour from uh, Haskell Damn. to my house. That's a 10 minute drive. It should not have taken That's me over 30 minutes. Huh? It's a lot of accidents. It w- literally, I was like taking pictures and videos, and I was like, "This is really." You happening. were the reason why. No, I wasn't while, wrecking. While I was driving? stuck in traffic. It wasn't Oila. moving. Make America wreck again. <laughs> sure, Jan. If that's what y'all want to do. <laughs> Anyways, Trump was here. Big old crowd. They loved it. They're terrifying. I don't know what alternate reality we're living in, but we're definitely in it. Um, I don't think they could make movies this outlandish and ridiculous i genuinely like i wish that we had more positive things to talk about on this podcast because i'm tired like i genuinely don't even enjoy you know, mentioning this man's you name you know anymore. we're reporters right so we're, <laughs> you're like shut up <laughs> we've been covering this tornado for like the past three oh, days so yeah. <laughs> talk about bad news. which is our next news thank you so much um a tornado also happened here so in case Damn. we didn't have enough trauma here in dallas texas um, or tornado was like, Hey y'all, what's up? And we're like, no, we didn't ask for you. And they're like, no, nah. you know, the funniest is this wasn't funny at all, but okay. you know what the funniest thing about all of this was please that channel five waited didn't so cut long the game, and they got backlash. <laughs> yeah. That's Pee-wee. our media partner. Yeah. <laughs> so take it easy. Well, no, so take, take it easy. No. Me, me and my brother were like, yeah, no, we don't want to hear about the fucking tornado. We want to keep watching this game. Cause we about that's to work. The, the Cowboys were killing yes. it though. That's they the were killing. That's the problem with Dallas men. <laughs> no, you know what? after that you, Wayne you could be me. dying in a tornado, but the Cowboys still hey, playing. Maybe the Cowboys game is what helped there not be so many fatalities or injuries because people know. were at home that watching torna- that game. Ooh, that tornado what was is moving wrong like with y'all. <laughs> tornado was moving like Zeke and touched nobody. Y'all are lucky there were no fatalities, so y'all can say this without <laughs> sounding heartless. True. I really was very glad and amazed. I was at home no, whining because like I wanted to go dancing. Seriously, it's a miracle. It That's really, a miracle. It is a miracle. One of, the, one of the most overheard things the past two days in the newsroom was, wow, I can't believe nobody was. Right. Yeah. Or, or right. Like, I mean, I'm because sure the stuff hurt, is like, serious. I mean, trees on cars and how I mean, the whole royal Northwest is. Dallas. That's Web Chapel. You know, they were praying rosaries. Y quemando mm-hmm. palma pa que nadie en... You know, we were, we were actually up there today. We were up there in Bachman Lake today. How did it look? Well, that area mostly, they have a lot of uh, power outages. Mm. Yeah. So some of the schools. It said over 150,000 people were affected by power. Yeah, that night. And then several high school, well, a couple high schools were shut down. TJ, TJ's total. And they're moved to middle school. Yeah. Yeah, they're saying they're probably going to have to be demolished and rebuilt. Wow. Yeah. Um, Y el Rio? Rio? How's that store doing? I was really concerned about Rio. Rio? Right down right the corner. There was a rancho, I think. Rancho, rancho. sorry. Wow, rancho. you don't know. Rancho, Rio. <laughs> Our main concern. I was concerned. No, I was concerned that like the people in that neighborhood were not going to have the grocery store. That That's what I'm saying. I mean, but, and they probably barely had any yeah, to begin with. Because yeah. anytime there's <laughs> ethnic people. There's still carnival fiestas. Carnival oh, still around? Yeah. Bro, we used to love carnival. Really? Rest in peace. I was a fiesta yeah. fan. I was a fiesta We didn't have fiestas in Grand Prairie. <laughs> <laughs> they gave us carnival. We didn't have Dang, Elrods. Elrods, Cost Plus, Malone. We used to have Save a Lot, and then they closed that down. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. And now they closed the Kroger, which is actually my heart and soul. But it's <laughs> But fine. there's a Whole Foods over. There's not a Whole Foods in Grand Prairie. Do not. <laughs> oh, no, I meant. <laughs> 
like close to you now. I'm talking Grand Prairie. Oh no, because you don't live in Grand Prairie no more. That's why I was just wondering. Like he's calling you bougie. I, you, I no. know, oh, but oh. you know, you know who was in a play and brought a Whole Foods bag to his uh, show? This fool has nothing to do with the fact that you shop at Whole Foods. I don't shop at Whole Foods. You got Whole Foods money? I don't. I'm I, saying, mm-hmm. man. You know why I went you there? Because yeah, I had she, an addiction to kombucha, and they sell the growlers. Kombucha. Yes, yes, yes. And so I would the go grass, there. What, not just what, the little kombucha. What, 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 is, what is the growler? Kombucha is, I think, what? They wrote their... Oh. That wasn't that wasn't Whole Foods. <laughs> what was it? Central, oh, sorry, Market. Central Market. Oh, there's a big who's, difference. Whose side are you big, on, Daisy? Big That's difference. what I want to know. I'm going to be real. Central Market ain't that different from Whole Foods. It's not. It's not. I agree. It's, it's I will not. never go there again because I spent too much money on five things. But it was down the street from my therapist. <laughs> Thank you. So I went there because I had time I've to been, spend. I've been to Central Market one time and I got lost. And I was like, I went there a few times um, to pick up my uncle who works there. Mm-mm. Does he really work there? Yeah. Tell him to hook it up. What the fuck? Ah, uh, he can't do that. <laughs> he can't hook it up. You trying to get him fired? Do they not get oh. a discount grocery thing? Yes, they do. Cause Sergio gets it at Whole Foods. <laughs> oh. Anyways. So the truth comes out. I've never lied. I always say I get kombucha at Whole Foods, and then I mind my business. But by I the, stopped drinking it. By the growler. It's good for your gut. For gut health. All right. So if you want to like help your gut. It's good for digestion. Okay. And it tastes kind of good. And it made me burp. And I liked that <laughs> because I don't drink sodas. <laughs> so now you know too much about me. Kombucha. kombucha I stopped kombucha. drinking kombucha, though. She okay. makes it now. Oh. Wait, you make it now? I have made it before, but it wasn't very good. I'm going to try it again. Thanks for inspiring me, pal. <laughs> Anyways, let's keep it moving. Um, now to our problematic Latinas in the world because we don't know how to act. Um, <laughs> Shakira? <sighs> What did Shakira do? Uh, well, they just get I on my nerves. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> no, not no, Shakira. But, okay, this is for me because I wish that they knew anything about anything. But like, I liked Rihanna's response to the Super Bowl more. That she was like, no, I won't allow myself to align with what the NFL represents after all the cap stuff and just the treatment of players and. You know, they probably do implicit bias training, too. And they're like, race? We don't see color. What? Um, anyway, Shakira and J-Lo agreed to do the Super Bowl. And so I just want to state that I wish that Latinas would do better. See, I saw that as a dig to Beyonce. Because Beyonce mm. took the Super Bowl. But she took it, like, right before all that, like, blew up. And when she did take it, she also made it black as fuck. <laughs> And she was like owing to the Black Panthers a lot. So like that, it was like that small margin right before. But even then, from then on, it was like, and then that's all so stupid now too. Cause Jay-Z's like, what NFL? We're friends yeah. now. Do, 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 do. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I like how Rihanna responded more. Rihanna can do no wrong. So I agree. I agree with you there. Thank you. I love agreeing. It's nice. Um, <laughs> I just wish, I just wish we had a backbone. Cause it just feels like they're like, <sighs> They got, they did one of them, and one of them who also says the n word, like our good pal, fucking Gina Rodriguez. I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to be cursing, but I literally am out of words for her. She's not out of words, clearly. (laughs) Wait, she was out of words until one word, and then she (laughs) that's when she started talking because they give her the heebie jeebies. And she looked fucking stupid and she happily left that on her Instagram like la 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 like really girl are you that 
idiotic. Like people have been calling you on this bullshit for over a year. I know this because I've been tweeting about it for a long time. <laughs> this battle has been going. So she said the N word on right, her Instagram right, right, live right, 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 singing right, right, right. the, the right. Fugees. And she was like, the Fugees. Fugees. <laughs> no more orange juice. for you. Shut up, Jeez. dad. Um, <laughs> and then like I, I, Okay, so and we uh, haven't had an in-depth conversation about this on the podcast. We and haven't. We will. We Soon. will. We don't have enough time today. Right. Um. So I lose a lot of sleep for really stupid reasons, right? And <laughs> you watch Carmen San Diego. No. Is that out? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Somebody I did not said know that. like Ku Klux Klan, Dan, Diego. I fucked it up, but <laughs> I think they like plan her to either be really stupid or do dumb shit to keep her relevant. Because she is still, for whatever reason, able to pull in money for the people that are paying her. I and wish I, that's what it was, but I don't think it's that. I think it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think that you can be. I don't think you can be doing that much at that level and really just fucking slip by saying a Fuji's line that you should know better about. Come on, you 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 know. But the this fact is gonna that she feathers. started singing right on that part. And then her apology was like, oh, no, I'm sorry if I offended y'all. Bitch, shut up. You are not sorry. Like, do not even pretend. But you know what? I was glad because we're talking we're talking about her more than her performances in them whack ass show she does. I used to like that show, but I thought it was cute and fun and I felt seen by it. I even wrote a paper on it in college, but (laughs) (laughs) I felt seen by it. But I take it back. (laughs) I did. At that time, I did. I felt seen by that role. It was not her, clearly. So um, does that? Do, so in terms of validation, does it work? Is it retroactive? Or now are you upset that at some point you felt seen and it doesn't really work because you don't agree with how she's acting now? I think he's asking if you're invisible now. I've been invisible because of how I look in America. Thank you. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, kind of. That's kind of true. Um, Into truth but, in every joke. Damn. Pours them out. That's deep, though. It that's, is. No, it's true. No, it's like very true. Like, there's a joke on a black lady sketch show where it's like Nicole Byer and uh, Ashley and Nicole Black, and they're like fat black women, and they're like, the joke is that she's invisible and nobody sees her. <laughs> and I felt very seen. Um, with that said, this is not supposed to be sad ever time because I'm really chilling, y'all. <laughs> oh. But oh, Sorry. that's what I signed up for. I'm leaving. Bye. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I thought this. Anyways, was... I know. Like that role still meant a lot to me in that time, <clears throat> right? Because she. In that character, what it's like, Selena. Like Selena, if Selena was still alive, she'd be problematic as hell. Like oh, not Gomez. this is like Selena? not Selena. She Gomez. would. She grew up Jehovah's Witness. She would absolutely oh, be pro- like very never problematic. About it that way. What? 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 Oh, no, what I you was gonna say. I mean, I don't. I don't know. We don't know that. We don't know that. But like everybody else, the way like being a Latina in America is set up. Like, look at everybody else. I announced. Like, she would definitely have eventually been problematic. Um, you think she would in the Super Bowl show? Absolutely. You think yeah, she would? She would have wore a Kaepernick jersey. Shut the hell up! No, <laughs> no, I don't think that. But maybe she could have. I, I don't know. That's why I think she's so important to us because she died oh. at the perfect time <laughs> to seem like a saint that never did anything wrong, and huh? she lives this like magical journey that we like to pretend that's she's true. a perfect oh, human being, God. right? Yes. Like that's what that's part of her charm. And so with someone like Gina, like no, at that time when I saw Jane the Virgin as a sophomore in college, it meant a lot to me because I had not seen someone. Who had, you know, been wanting to um, like lean into her sexuality and grew up with really Catholic parents or this or that. So like that role meant a lot to me. But that's where it's like that was the 
art, quote unquote, right? Like that's what that was at this time. Nowadays, this is also five years later where it's like, I, I'm, I can't separate the person from their art so much anymore, right? Like I can't listen to Kanye West anymore. And y'all know that we just had that discussion. Um, but it's like when you've time and time and time and time again been called out on this, this just proves my point that as Latinos, we don't know how to discuss race. We don't know how to, ha- how to have a conversation on race. And we've often played into this confused box. And I said it on the episode with Melania. It's either you're white or you're black. And we're a lot of us don't feel like we're either. Mm-hmm. And so then the reality is, is the way that Latinidad was constructed is in, in America is that it was us tap dancing for white people and just trying to fit into the white box because we knew it was less trouble that way or less problems that way because we are anti-black we need to understand that as a people we are inherently anti-black univision is anti-black telemundo is anti-black like all these things and the structures we get involved with are anti-black and so now it's our time to dismantle that right and to demand better of our people and to be like anti-racism so when someone like her which i literally said last episode with melania verbatim a puerto rican bitch who claims taino because then they have afro roots and my dad is afro latino no he's not he does i mean and maybe he is in some regard but if black people can't see him and say he's black bruh he ain't black (laughs) So that's where it gets really complicated. Same thing with Fat Joe. So then they, as especially in New York, spitting the N-word is like second nature. Same thing here, really, yeah. in Dallas. Mm. If you're in the hood, you say the N-word. I did it when I was younger. Not a lot. I wasn't super <laughs> into that because I kind of, I don't know. It's interesting. But my cousins, I'm not even trying to blast my whole family. Some of them probably dead ass think they are like part of black culture. Like straight up, one of them does hair. They it's a lot there's layers that is how what it's like to grow up in the hood right which is why they think they get the pass for saying that Mm -hmm. but gina if you've been getting called out for over a year for being problematic with this shit and you choose to oppose this and you didn't think twice (laughs) then maybe it was a fucking scheme i don't know it has to have been (sighs) but i just what would i'm not saying that i agree with gina or her stance or any of that i think she's an idiot um (laughs) Disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. This episode's Sorry. too damn long already. Shit. Um, what what could Gina have done in your mind to remedy the situation as best? She can pay me to get educated. Pra- like a <laughs> pragmatic. I think everybody needs to go learn about race. I think we need to go study race. We have right. to. But I'm saying if she goes and does that, you don't know that she did or didn't. What I'm saying is she would know how to talk when she came back and be actually informed about race, race in America and understand her place in it and understand her place in class, because that has a lot to do with it as well. So someone at that level, right, actually learn these things and then come back with a decent apology and then try to rebuild and then try to, like, help all these different communities that actually need your help instead of you basically using them up. And if that's how we leave Latino Heritage Month. So be it, because let's like spew the shit out so we can go clean up, because my God, it's embarrassing, but it's what it is, because I know too many motherfuckers in Dallas that love to say the N-word, and they won't stop. If you go to, uh, what's this called, this bar, Elsie Lounge, Elsie Lounge, Last Call Lounge, 
Go on a Saturday night. Every Latino person in there, everybody in there, period, is saying the N-word. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that to me is like, okay, cool. Like, the education component is is crucial. And understanding those nuances, uh, it's very complicated. But for someone or a community that's not willing to go that route because they feel ownership over something that defines who they are, like, how how do we separate them in terms of education with someone that we built up because of the support of us identifying and feeling seen by Mm -hmm. what they did in art who are now fucking up once they've reached so high up and how do we go from one to the other understanding the influence that one person has versus the influence or understanding that we have on the culture and the community in which we reside so you're asking how do we separate that how do we separate it in terms of understanding the two and how do we get the goals Right. And I, I and I don't have all the answers. Right. Because I am also problematic and human and like working on all these things myself. And I say that because it's true. Um, if I knew all the answers and things, I would do it. Um, but like, I think us not even addressing it to start is is problematic. Right. We're I think allowing it's just, that. To- and I, I bring that up because I feel like it's kind of changing. I feel like the conversation is like with anything, it's I think moving with, at a slug's pace. With this pace. kind of stuff, yeah, like the conversation has to happen. But then from this, I don't know if y'all remember, Twitter was still blowing up. Like people were joking about like it being a race war. And they were like, can Cardi say it? Can so-and-so? And then Amada mm-hmm. defended Gina. And so it like became on B.O.B.'s dumbass came out and was like, I grew up with Spanish people and they can say it. And I'm like, I understand that there are some people that aren't bothered, which is why a lot of Latinos think they're good enough to say it. And they're like, it's cool. My homie back in... 2003 said i could say it so i'm rocking with him because my neighbor was black and i'm like okay um but to me i'm like if you get your ass beat that's on you because that's what i mean like some people are willing to go with that and that's the thing though like because and maybe next time we actually get even more in depth on this conversation because we're going way over time um like there's a lot of history behind that word, right? That's why it's such a, a, a negative word, but that was also reclaimed by this community, right? Reclaimed by hip hop in a lot of ways to really normalize it and kind of bring power to it in a different scope. But if you look at your Maya Angelou's that that get deep into the history of it and say, I won't ever utter that word, you have to understand and respect that that's allowed too. And that's what a lot of people really yeah, feel. Yeah, I'm not arguing so, that. No, I'm not yeah. saying that, but I'm saying people don't understand the depths of that. And right. so there's going to be people that agree with it and don't care. And you can go off and say it like B.O.B. And there's going to be people that say, don't utter that even if you're black, right? Like there's going to be these two different extremes. I cannot control what the the full like right thing to do is but if i know the majority of this community does not want anybody that is not black saying it i am going to respect that community i'm not going to say this word it's not that hard to remove from songs it's not that hard not to say and i'm going to tell and remind people to not say it especially when people are going getting shot at for demanding their own respect so I don't have all the answers on this. I just wish Gina could hear you. Me too. And that's why I always joke, pay me, because I, I know they're not listening. I know they're not listening. And girl, I look just like you. Not really. But you know what I mean? Like, we're similar complexions. I know you got your little Italian boo now, but like, hit me up. Pay me to inform you. Because I'm happy to have the, have the conversation because I don't think black people should be the only ones having it. Because they're already drained. So Damn.
Anyways, Gina, stop wasting my time. <laughs> Damn. Ooh, well, we got I gotta, guests here. I got to change the battery on the recorder. Shut up. Don't do that. Okay, so quickly, um, uh, Halloween's coming up. Is anybody going to be anything fun and exciting? Oh, man, I don't, even I, don't go even I don't go out anymore. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm tired. Oh, same. Retweet. Rafa? Am I going to be anything? I don't know. No, I, I didn't hear what oh, you said. Yeah, that was my question. Oh. Um, I, I want to be the very best. Okay. I don't think I have anything planned. Do you have Wah. anything planned? Is your beagle going to be anything? Selena for the Yeah, we went to Remember, you went, <laughs> Shut went up. to Lambert. That's true. Gomez or? Shut up. And you dressed up as Selena. At the library? Yeah. Remember when Elvie and I were doing the library? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I remember these pictures. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> she showed up cool. to the uh, Dallas library yeah. in a Selena purple jumpsuit. That is hilarious. That the kids loved it. You need yeah. to dress your puppy up. Yeah. I don't know what. she be? Selena and the microphone. A pizza. A, a pizza. pizza, yeah, that'd be really cool. Or like a bumblebee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bumblebee, classic. A hot dog. A hot dog. Yeah, something. Eva, <laughs> what? What are you gonna be? Um, I know what I want to try to be, and it was supposed to be a surprise, but by the time this comes out, tell us. Okay, so me and my bestie Ari, we're gonna be um, Lizzo and Janelle Monae at Coachella. Ooh, you know where I she brought her it. out on stage? It was cute. I don't know if we're gonna do it because I don't got any shit in my closet. But we'll see. Just what go happens. buy stuff. Just go Just buy a, a bunch of stuff. Just need a you wanna? Just get a do you wanna sponsor right. me? Oh, you're balling. The Selena you're paycheck. Ball. You're balling. Okay, sure. AAC. What's yeah, that? nonprofit AAC. really pays. What's the Whole Foods? On the record, do you I'm still, really do you like still ten get royalties. Do you still get royalties from the Selena On the on off. This is off the record. This, uh, is on the this is on the record. I'm genuinely curious. Yes, I still do. Yeah, I hey. saw the check. It so was exciting. Wait, what? Yeah, he was on. Yeah. Were you like a little baby on Selena? I was a little baby. <laughs> he was a little AB. <laughs> I was a little AB. Oh, yeah. were you the one on the little. Yeah, on the, on the, the base. That's the why base, I tell everybody yeah. to listen to episode 24. <laughs> Our favorite. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's that. when I interviewed him okay. about it. That was dope. It was, was beautiful. Right? So, I love it. So you're saying is you're picking up the bar tabs from now on. <laughs> Eva <laughs> is the one. Y'all, I know y'all don't think nonprofits pay like that. Because <laughs> I just said I'm in it for the love of the kids. <laughs> it ain't the pay. Um, all right. And uh, which also means the other Los Muertos is coming up. Um, so I'm stating this to state... Please don't be problematic, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me so nervous. It's weird. And I feel weird post-Coco because as much as I love people celebrating our culture, it's also a weird like transition to go from like not seeing yourself at all as a young person to like everybody doing it now. And you're like, it we're, feels we're, a little diluted. That, the first ever like the other little Marcos event is happening. I heard about else. that. I did. I did. Oh. Um... And then finally, my last topic. Why are you laughing? My last topic. Yes, all of this is exciting things, but I put the Cowboys for you little Cowboy F boys. Did out there. you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They won a game. Woo. You know, we're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Every episode. Oh, Every episode. <laughs> Even when they lose three games in a row. This was a particularly good win because. It's the. Eagles, uh-huh. and I, I've said this plenty of times on the podcast. We try to go to an away game every year. Haven't gone uh, this year. My my brother friends, 
But the one the city frames. that we will never go to <laughs> is Philadelphia. In, the, in Philly. Because we know that it will be trouble. And I don't think I dislike another NFL team as much as I dislike the Philadelphia Eagles. It, you know, there's there's bad blood. Very there's bad blood. Really bad blood. Yeah, yes. Bad blood. <laughs> so, um, and it was also really... <laughs> Really, uh, uh, um, the win was really sweet because Peterson, their coach, had said, we're going to go down there and we're going to win this game and we're going to be first in the NFC East. And sure enough, they showed up to Arlington and they lost. So up until this past weekend, they were the Arlington Cowboys and they are now the Dallas Cowboys again. So. Y'all ain't shit. <laughs> mm. Um... Is there any other good news that we're missing? I'm sure by the every single time this episode this episode is released, it's like four more things happen in America, and y'all will hear about it in two weeks. Have y'all, have y'all heard of anything? Yeah, news people. Anything good? Mm. Good news. Well, good news. I have a, I actually did a really really nice story today. Oh, tell us, tell so, us, I mean, enlighten us. It is obviously storm related. Um, storm. But DJ, DJ Storm. storm. <laughs> <laughs> We're so late. Okay, sorry. Go no, ahead. but uh, today, you know, it's one of those like I was able to close out like storm coverage at least for now, like on a yeah. positive note, which is like two nonprofits in the Bachman Lake area provided free food to about 250 oh, kids and you know parents who were, who are without power, and it's like. I don't know. That's just that's just no. That's all. That's what we need. And they fed them like rice and beans, which was like, oh, that's Mm, that's all you need. Now I want some great. (laughs) Um, I I did want to um share. There are places to help. There are lots of places to help. I know a lot. I know a lot of uh, TJ. Like I have connections to TJ that need supplies and things. There's an Amazon list. There is. There's another thing I got. Come on, little thing. Um, sorry. Um. DISD bus fundraisers. There is what the hell? There's a lot of different things. Amazon wish list for people's certain classrooms. Fundraiser for Thomas Jefferson High School. Um, DISD information on donations to locate. They were doing a lot of monetary donations initially, which is what I didn't really blast that because it was like they were like cash only, and I was like, okay, well. <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens with that. Um, but we'll keep you all posted because a lot of people were affected by this tornado. However, we are very glad to know that there were no fatalities. And um, I'm sure there will be volunteer events and such as well to help um, with all of that. So with that all said, that is the freaking juice, you guys. <laughs> the OJ was strong today. Oh, my God. Oh my god, <laughs> All right. So now we can officially jump to our interview. Thank you, lovely guests, for being here with us. I can now turn to you a little bit more. You're listening to De Colores Radio. So welcome to the show, Cassandra Jaramillo, who has reported for the Dallas Morning News since 2016. She's a bilingual multimedia journalist whose work has previously been published by the Wall Street Journal, the Austin American Statesman, and CNBC.com. She currently writes about public safety and the DPD, which you just heard about. Mm-hmm. Uh, she first started... She <laughs> very. <laughs> she first started at the Dallas Morning News writing feature stories with a focus on race, identity, and culture. She's been recognized by the Texas Associated Press Managing 
Publishing Editors, as well as the Society for Features Journalism for her coverage. She recently won a first place in commentary after writing a series of essays on her immigrant experience. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Obed Manuel is a reporter with the Dallas Morning News covering immigration, Latinx issues, local news, and a whole bunch of other stuff. It says this in the bio, (laughs) y'all. He's called Dallas Oak Cliff specifically. Shout out home since 1996. He's a graduate of Skyline High School and the University of North Texas. Woo. Relax. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Okay. I'm like not even whatever. His work has appeared in the Dallas Observer, Latina Lista, and Central Track. So welcome to the show, Thanks. our lovely guests, oh. Cassandra and Obed. Thank so you. Awesome. This is a long time coming. Yeah. Obed, I've been telling you for like I a know. year like, you yo, were going to be on the show. This is recorded in Oak Cliff. <laughs> yes. Like, down the street from where my folks live, yes. down the street from where I grew up. And yes. I was like, you're like, what the this, hell? This felt inevitable. Frankly, yes, so. absolutely. I mean, and there's I there's people I'm like, oh, I'm going to have them on one day. And I'll come in here and I'll be like, <laughs> we're going to have so-and-so on one day. And then I'll be like like literal spongebob it's like five months later and i'm like hey you guys want to be on the show now um but we're so glad you're here we're both so glad both of you are here um because i feel like i and that's what we said when you walked in like i feel like i know y'all but i don't really know (laughs) y'all and so it's so exciting to to be in front of y'all in person and i know the work y'all are doing keeps you very busy probably very stressed and so i have lots of questions <laughs> we were just talking about right that. exactly <laughs> for real yeah. yeah perfect i would i mean i can only imagine i get stressed with being able to talk shit about it and i have that freedom so i can't imagine um what it's like um with your life experiences with your backgrounds and being in um probably one of the craziest newsrooms in the world mm-hmm. um i don't know if that sounds dramatic but i would say it's accurate <laughs> um just because you're in dallas and like we said like this information we just talked about was in the last Non-stop. two three weeks mm-hmm. right since we last recorded and it's national news right or international news mm-hmm. um so for y'all to be in the trenches um is really honorable because <laughs> i don't know how y'all do it but I'm excited to hear about your story and how you got there. Um, so with that said, we will start with where are you all from? So I was born in Monterrey, Mexico, and then my family came to the U.S. Uh, somehow we landed in southeast Texas okay. in the Beaumont, Port Arthur area. Oh, really? I didn't know that. 409, what's up? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. We're going to fight. <laughs> But I love Dallas, though. I mean, there was always this kind of like, you know, Houston, Southeast Texas Mm -hmm. versus Dallas B. Yes, there still is. And there still is. It ain't gone. It's not gone. (laughs) But now it's like, oh, who do I claim? Because growing up, I rooted for the Texans. But I'm like, can't root for the Texans no more. (laughs) I ain't right. And it's like, what was there to root? The Texans were a team? (laughs) What was there to root for, really? But, you know. So you were really young when you moved from when you came from Monterrey. Yeah, I was two. Okay, so mm-hmm. you like didn't remember it right. at all. So your it, full identity was Texas, right? But it was also one of those things where it's like I didn't feel like I fit in, to be honest, mm-hmm. because where the school I went to was predominantly white, and mm. so you know it's interesting because I literally found like 
diary journals Aww. or letters that I would write to my teacher saying like, I want to go back to Mexico. The oh kids here God. bully me. <laughs> I was like, I want to go back How to Mexico. How old were you? I was probably seven or okay. eight. Wow, you were tiny. Mm. You already felt that. Exactly. Right. And what like how did your parents help you with that process of like they didn't okay <laughs> that, i love honesty we could talk therapy later if you want. No, we, we were just talking about that like yeah there's probably stuff from my childhood i mm-hmm. need to work out a little bit yeah but. that's true though i feel like a lot of parents don't like for as much as they try to either protect or give their children what 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 they need yeah. um there are some things that they just will not yeah right to, they try to, to just them. cover it up mm-hmm. yeah you know? because they think they're playing it safe and it's healthy when it's the actual opposite <laughs> exactly but so then you were never able to process any of that you just knew where you were from mexico and or you were born in mexico right. but you were living here and you just kind of like, like i don't fit in you know the, the in between yeah I mean, that is so common of the latino experience even if you're born here mm, right like even so if you're born here so when you're not born here there's even more layers the mm. line from selena i think always yes it does you gotta be what is it you gotta be yeah mexican for them. Uh-huh. you gotta be more mexican yeah. than the mexicans yes. you gotta be more American. oh absolutely oh, yes. my um my very 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 I've, i still haven't aired it we'll do it one day my very first podcast i did in college for a pro- for a project i did it on that whole clip mm-hmm. so yes so you live in the hyphen yeah i live on the hyphen right i'm a good movie shut <laughs> up you're so annoying i didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even think about you for once <laughs> i just said it was a i'm sorry for saying it was a good movie <laughs> yeah it, it's gonna pay for um our shots on friday no just kidding yeah i'm just kidding i'm just kidding when that uh, check comes in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> does it come like once a year no it's every well, every week no yeah. he's like i actually don't have to work here i'm gonna go watch selena a bunch of times and then i'm gonna come all right that's a shot <laughs> on tv though that's a shot. on tv is like yeah <laughs> keep looping it e yeah. freaking e loves selena <laughs> they play that all the time sorry <laughs> okay so you then grew and we're gonna get into this more so you tell us a little bit about where you were where mm-hmm. you were born and who you rep all yeah, that so i mean i think i knew that about i knew about cassandra she's from monterrey i don't know if you know this about me I'm also from Montreal. Yeah, regions, yeah regions. Come to Nuevo León. Nuevo León, My jaw is dropping. Yeah, yeah. I was born in Monterrey, okay. in Guadalupe specifically. Ooh. Ooh. You want to play the Guadalupeana so, uh, remix again? Version. <laughs> Go for it. No, yeah, I grew up, I was born in Monterrey, but we moved here in 1996. Okay. So I've been living in Oak Cliff, North mm-hmm. Oak Cliff specifically since then where's Actually, like the economic story to be done on the disparities in monterrey and why that led to some of the immigration yeah. that you know because we were the have-nots of monterrey yeah. so because uh-huh. a lot of monterrey also has a lot of money exactly. it still does. Yeah, yeah, no, it still it's does still See, and that's the thing that some people think oh if you're from monterrey and you're the in the u.s you're they're wrong. like oh you got money the but divide. i'm like oh no i'm not the yeah, divide is everywhere it yeah. is yeah. yeah so how much of that did y'all know growing up was your family like very much still like deeply like involved there not involved but you know what i mean just like oh yeah all my family's back there yeah it's just my parents in the u.s um as a kid we went back a whole lot mm-hmm. so you were able to stay connected yes okay because that's why i'm like i really i know it varies for per person like if they were able to go back or not now, and if they were able to actually yeah. i went it wasn't until i was seven once my mom got documented that we mm. were able to go back for the first time okay but, um but yeah, I mean, you know, from seven and 
and on we we went for every holiday and the summers and and I loved it and it's harder now working to get back yeah to go visit right and see family so I had the opposite experience okay. I did not go back mm-hmm. the last I uh, I went back in 2000 mm. and since 2000 I have not been back to oh Mexico. wow and you do you want to go back and visit Monterrey that is the goal yes um so then you grew up connected to it you were able to go back but you even at that young age like had this like i guess rage to say i want to go back i don't feel welcomed here Mm. like that's so powerful to hear because so often it's like i I don't know it's it becomes an interesting like back and forth right i know a lot of uh like citizens that have that same feeling right because they feel more connected to home there than they do here because they don't feel like they fit in here and it's just like this never-ending ball game but it's like they also don't understand the amount of privileges they have it like being a citizen right and even being able to travel no problem and being able to exist um without an extra amount of fear right and so just those layers um from that early age on so what were your biggest dreams what was your biggest dream as a child do you remember man make it out (laughs) i mean for real i don't i don't have any other way to to really explain what did that mean to you in port arthur right it was more of just like i mean growing up my family really struggled Mm -hmm. um father struggled without still struggles with alcoholism Mm. and just money was always an issue and so when you're a child and you see this and you see your you internalize all Mm. the stresses of your families right which is the reality for a lot of kids in Mm -hmm. oak cliff right now and in dallas right um it affects you and you're just like what can i do to like make this all stop for Mm. my family and how can i like provide for them right i appreciate my my madrecita because i used to tell her i'm gonna be a doctor Mm. because i want to be rich so that we don't have all these problems and my mom would say no you know i not to say that you can't be a doctor but just like go for what you're passionate about oh wow that's where what a good mom she's i my mom i i you know she's my everything mm-hmm. truly and um, shout out to moms, shout out to moms everywhere <laughs> i'm getting a little emotional y'all talking know, about I'm my like, mom Stop. it's okay I that's see, it. this was a, this was a ruse this was exactly, a trap no. yes, welcome to the colores right <laughs> but um but anyways it was just one of those things like i love mm-hmm. meeting with people i love talking to people and writing and you know i'm thankful that there were teachers who told me about college as an opportunity because it wasn't talked about as an opportunity in my family but mm-hmm. you know um, did you know at a young age you like to write yes always i okay. mean i was a nerd i yeah. was like that kid i'm like you wanted to be a doctor so you're definitely kind of <laughs> nerdy I, I was that kid that was like you know the movie matilda yeah literally one day Aww. i told my mom like hey i'm like five years old i'm gonna go walk to the library i'll be back later and then my mom started getting really scared like shit she's gonna leave the house and like just go take off going to the library so then she started bringing me to the library consistently so i wouldn't be that little traviesa Mm -hmm. you know going out in the streets of being a kid getting books getting books good kid goals go to the library so So through all of that it's you know i appreciate because i think a lot of kids also do that 
thinking, oh, I want like a stable career or a secure career or, or something that's going to return a lot of money with a salary. But if you're passionate about something, yeah. the money's going to come. Right. Yeah. And did you have siblings or anything? No. Uh-uh. So all the pressure was on you. All the pressure was on me. Yeah. Did you feel a lot of like, well, maybe that's why you were so into books because you were an only child. And you <laughs> yeah, like, had like, this, I don't like, have nobody to talk to. <laughs> did you feel that way at all? I think so. I mean, I think like being an only child, you know, we're, I, that was how I used my time and mm-hmm. how I escaped what my reality yeah, was. I know that sure. sounds so nerdy to no, say. No, it's but, the reality. <laughs> but I see it a lot sometimes with even just some of the kids that I meet and mm-hmm. um, interact with. I think there is power in that. So Yeah, I mean, and that's a feeling a lot of people feel and they're not only children. Right, right, right. Yes. <laughs> because so many of us, even if our parents do their very best like it's a lot of really toxic circumstances still because they're trying to survive in a country they don't they don't know and so it's like even if you still have some of the best circumstances so much of that weight is given to the child and then they're trying to figure out how to fix it in the next 20 years and it's like (laughs) but the the system's not built for you either so even if you've kind of made it you're still like struggling right Mm -hmm. and you're you're ignoring your personal feelings or your emotions or your trauma because you want to thrive in the best way you can there's definitely layer the layers of trauma associated with immigration Mm -hmm. and immigrating to a country that you're not from like obviously you know socioeconomics play into that but you know the mental emotional stability of your family is another layer right um yeah. So it, it varies among people. Yeah, you don't you don't really understand, I think, as an immigrant, your own experience, like, until you start, like, as a journalist, mm. you start reporting on it. Mm-hmm. You talk to so many people who, like, there's just, there's patterns, and then there's, like, new things that come up. There's patterns of, like, oh, we didn't go to the doctor as much when we were growing mm. up. I didn't have braces growing up. And it's, like, damn, if that isn't, like, my life. And it's right, like, then you have to go right. and write about it. But it took you up until, like, your career, essentially, to really realize it. Yeah, because then you take, like, that 30,000-foot view of, mm, like, that's a good way there to are sort it. of patterns that you see. And, like, it's not it's not like you boil people down to numbers. But right. you, you can, to a degree, like, look at, like, you know, surveys and stuff and mm-hmm. be like, this percentage of undocumented or unauthorized immigrants said they had this experience. And you think about it and you're like, oh... That does correlate with a lot of friends' experience. Right. It's, it's, you know, it's the power of journalism. Is mm-hmm. all. You can tell a human story and then sort of use that one story to, like, amplify the voices of a lot of people. I take a lot of pride in, like, people's trust that they, like, give me to tell their stories. Mm-hmm. So I, I try and do them justice on paper. But I every single story that I do, particularly when you're asking somebody to go on the record and telling them saying... I'm an undocumented. I'm unauthorized. There's so much like weight that that carries. I honestly, I take it with me. Like I don't, I, I don't because de- I'm human. Like I don't yeah. detach from it. It's, it's, and in a way, like I feel like it powers me because it's like this is like the plight of my people, so to speak. Mm. And it's like honestly, like if I didn't have that, I'm not sure that I could do this career because it's so difficult. Like mm. you see, like crime reporters, beat reporters who like sort of lose it and they just don't associate and i know cassandra's not like that but people there are people like I've yeah met, she is no, no we've, we've met I, i've met like career crime reporters who like don't give a darn about a darn about like the stories that they're telling yeah don't we, don't fuck it up <laughs> <laughs> but um 
for you so bad. W- when you're like a when you're a journalist of color, it's like you you can't not take <clears> those <throat> stories is, with you. Yeah. You you have to take it with you. Because, you don't have that privilege. No, no, you don't. But also, you know what? I feel like. I I, ch- I turn it around. I say that's that's a power that you it have. Is. Like, it is a different sort of privilege yeah. to even be Oof. able to that's still props, maintain your dignity and your humanity, right? Because that's what so many people are lacking right now, I think, in this day and age. So then for you, like we kind of saw how you got into writing so much. What about for you, Obed? How did you go from your youth? And were, y'all were both like, were you nerds in school? Like you oh, loved yeah. it in and out of school? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it was sort of similar. I mean, uh I knew I wanted to write for a living from the time I was about six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I did really well on this one test, Ooh. and they were like, "You you should write." And I was like, and then I quickly fell behind in math and science, Aww. and I was like, "Okay, this is the one thing I can do," mm-hmm. and just ran sort of carried. It. It. I ran with it, and like I thought for a while about like going into like political science. There's a lot of writing that goes into that, mm-hmm. but nothing really enables you to. I don't know. There's a power in journalism, and. It was like, hey, all these white people have it. I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> what did you did you say? What your biggest dream was growing up? Um, I sort I wanted to be a doctor too, both but to be that fell apart really fast because okay. then I got just like, oh, I'm scared of blood and stuff. So I was like, this ain't happening. This ain't happening. No, I'm like, I'm sorry to tell you, but uh, you know. <laughs> goes to the doctor. He puked on me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know. I think. I like the idea of writing. It's just not a very common career. Tr- it wasn't a very common sort of thing that like my friends in high school and mm-hmm, middle school wanted right. to do. So I was like, this is different. And, and it is a whole different world. Like that's why we don't really, when I meet a Cassandra, when I meet other people like who are like us in the newsroom, I immediately like attach myself to them because it's <laughs> like, we have this shared experience of like being in a world that's really not for us, mm. but we're trying to carve it so that other kids who are coming up to pipeline will want to mm-hmm. want the same power. So then, what was your educational experience like in general, outside of just like writing? I was bad at science and math. You did. You told. You definitely yeah, very mentioned bad. it. Man, I was like, I'm not gonna. I just, I did well in a lot of subjects. I was kind of that that token kid that the mm. teacher was like, oh look, a bright brown child let's <laughs> let's put wrap, him on the poster exactly put him on the poster let's get her like resources hey have you thought about college and i the thing is is i did benefit from that at the same time looking back i explicitly remember a teacher telling me cassandra why can't the other latino kids mm. just be like you and then i was like wait a minute oh. do you remember what you thought in that moment yes i, I thought like this is messed Oh, like I'm not seen as just gifted. Mm-hmm. I'm seen as like I'm one of the good ones, mm-hmm. you know? And and it's one of those things that I reflect on and I think it's something that that's where a lot of young children of color also get left behind because if they don't immediately, you know, show these signs Absolutely. of of academic um readiness and whatnot, they're right. just deemed as you know bad right just bad kids yeah um and so i see that that benefited me in some ways and you know i look back and i went to the university of texas at austin which is a huge institution and and i didn't even know about the university of texas at austin when i was in high school but somehow (laughs) that's where i ended up at you know what i mean like yeah i I didn't realize the like no, Prestige. no, I did not. I just did not have those associations, and um, 
you know it there were i i don't want to sound ungrateful because i am very grateful of privileged white individuals who did go out of their way to take me to college tours to help me with applications mm -hmm. because that is what happened that's what happened and that honestly that <laughs> yeah. is what benefited it's a me. weird process even like reflecting on it once you're like gone from exactly. that space right. you're like oh were you trying to like white save me were you like, <laughs> what were you doing well, like, what was the <laughs> absolutely uh, yeah you know and so um but again it it's a privilege that i recognize mm -hmm. that i had because i also think being at an institution like that had its own unique privileges as well. Like just getting my foot in the door there put, it, gave me access to resources. Absolutely. That, you know, was it a shock for you to go from like somewhere like Port Arthur and then to a place like <laughs> UT? And that's a very white institution. And Austin. I know all of um, Austin in general, but I know a lot of the, um, like friends I had that went there, like a lot of them ended up becoming like su like protesting all the time and this and that because there was so much happening and they were like, "This is bullshit." Yes. <laughs> and so I was I kind of saw from afar, right? I was at UNT, like, "Hey guys, we're over here," <laughs> but it was really fascinating because it holds such an honorable name. But in reality, a lot of the students of color I knew were all just like with each other because they couldn't breathe we otherwise. Did. We definitely, yeah, we stuck in in our groups and what felt comfortable and i think the most overwhelming part was just the fear of failure and having like what do you fall back on you know mm -hmm. like i didn't have yeah. any type of you know family connection that could help me or land somewhere or the wealth behind, the wealth behind it and so there was always that um amount of anxiety and i mean i think that's where i started understanding where that stress manifests itself in anxiety mm. that I didn't even recognize mm. I dealt with or or had yeah. you know and that's the number one time for I it, believe Latinas and women of color to discover their mental health exactly in yeah. college I so. went through you know lots of bouts of I thought uh, you know and and it started again when I got into a new job where I you know, you think it's just like, oh, I'm eating something and doesn't feel right. But mm. literally, like, your stomach is cramping from yeah. anxiety that you feel that you're just holding in. Yeah, and you don't even know because you, you haven't processed know, right? it. Exactly. Absolutely. And what about for you, Obed? Uh, you know, it's it's it's, uh, it's weird because, like, my every school I went to is, like, mostly Latinx, Latino. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole different experience. Yeah. And it was, like, I always thought that, like, Skyline High School was, like, I always thought, oh, it's... It's fifty percent Latino, fifty percent black. It was actually mostly Latino. And I'm mm -hmm. looking back at the stats, you know, <laughs> um, but I was. It was interesting because it was all the top kids were, you know, Latino or black. Like mm -hmm. it, it was. It's a yeah, different that, sort of experience. That's, that's like wow. Yeah. What is that like? <laughs> and it's like you see sort of your. And to me, it was just like normal, I guess, to like mm -hmm. see people succeed. But then I didn't really see the disparity until like. I did a what was called mock trial in, mm, in high I school. Hear, I've heard of mock trial, and we would compete against like the suburban schools. Yeah, and it was like these kids' parents were like they were actual lawyers. Yeah, they were, like, Full professionals, mm -hmm. and our my parents sell tacos for a living. Mm -hmm. Like we, it, it's a whole different sort of experience, and it, but it, that sort of prepares you for life because like you got to be realist. Like right. it's the world is a most industries are like you know playgrounds for white people like mm -hmm. it's 
it is what it is you know connections are connections mm-hmm. um especially the ones that hold power or authority right or anything hiring like that. power is, yeah. is key here yeah right um but no it's, it's weird because like i didn't really realize like the disparity that existed until i like started seeing like the suburban private school kids mm. and i was like dang like this is like i couldn't i have never i'd never been to preston hollow until like my senior senior year in, in yeah. high school and it was like damn like there's this is like money like mm-hmm. this is it's a this, huge difference i was from like where you're this from this is wealth like i grew up in an apartment <laughs> i was like anyone who has a house is rich i'm like right. Oof, child you know you mm-hmm. you don't know what wealth is until mm-hmm. like you go from like middle you know mm. between north and south of the cliff and then you go to preston hall it's like yeah. you don't really realize that until it's like tim and that's still a common feeling of like i know the students i work with where they've like not passed this certain part of dallas right. and so yep. they don't even experience the other part of dallas and it's like this is dallas still mm-hmm. so that's still very common and it's, it's yeah. very sad and it speaks to the reality of how dallas is yeah. right and dallas that's why i get so frustrated with the officials and all these people because mm-hmm. i'm like do y'all y'all are okay with how segregated it is here and like how messed up it is and how many food deserts we have and like all these different things and it's like one of the, one of those things like um we heard her a few months in the over the summer nicole anna jones from the new york times oh yeah she sort of lays out like how you can boil down se- uh segregation and disparity in a city down to like the historical factual mm-hmm. sort of thing and it's like dallas after it desegregated like like the white people left like that's why the suburbs exist and the way they exist right and then like and then one of those things that uh to me is like really fascinating and we have to explore is the fact that 70s 80s 90s like mostly mexican immigrants moved into these neighborhoods that Mm -hmm. were sort of abandoned for sure and it's like oak cliff is one of those places yeah that's where my family our family came as soon as that and it's like here i always like to say it like this it's like history in dallas isn't black and white like it is in a lot of the south it's Mm. black white and brown yeah and it's like somebody i did i was doing a story a while back and it was like somebody said this excellent quote it was like immigrants and the new wave of immigrants that's that's still arriving to this Mm -hmm. day it's like they inherited like the segregated city Mm. and it was like this disparity exists like not just in income and race but like language absolutely and it's like cultural divides and that's oof there's a lot there's a lot there um but unfortunately we're already in the trenches with time um so i want to get a little bit more into your actual careers so from you know i know you went to unt and so your experience there was good you know there was i know it's itching inching closer every every year to like being a latino hispanic serving Mm -hmm. institution which is which is Amazing because so right. many people from here, Dallas feel more comfortable going to UNT, and I think that's For fantastic. Sure. Um, obviously, has its, had its issues. Um, and every all these institutions, every institution do. of higher learning will have issues where, you know, institution leadership is still mostly white, so mm-hmm. they have a lot of blind spots. Yes. So absolutely, academia was built for every every institution was built for whiteness, y'all. Like I think yeah. that's the end all be all. Pe- well, not the end but like that's what everything was constructed on the so like once we right? yes if we process that then we can move forward <laughs> like let's go from mm. there but um so then from there i know you were at central track i don't know if it happened right after no um no I actually, okay no Just i kidding. actually freelanced in dallas after from 2015 all the way up until 2017 okay and so i freelanced for a while and i was at central track from May 2017 to about June 2018, and that's when I 
jump ship gotcha over to the paper so. yeah <laughs> and everyone there still likes me so i guess i haven't messed up that that's bad. good <laughs> kept those relationships. and what about for you how was the transition from college to the adult world i was actually in new york um interning with the wall street journal oh. and my mentor was you know i thought oh i'm gonna be a new york journalist and live that life and you know enjoy that and a mentor was very smart and kind of warning me that mm. you better apply for some jobs because a lot of internships will just make you a forever intern is what we call it in the oh, industry wow. so like when you're just hard working put your head down Ooh. don't complain you don't get benefits or health insurance uh -uh. and none of that and so i started applying and that mentor worked at the Dallas Morning News, ah. which again, the power of mentorships and connections right. and what that meant. I truly, I will say, I feel like I earned every right to be at the Dallas Morning News, but I cannot overlook the power that that connection had mm -hmm. and how that influenced, you know, the, the opinion of me, I guess, when it came to the hiring process. Um, so then I see this a lot because I definitely and, you know, I'm one of those people that's very critical of like everything <laughs> and all these um, institutions, because even media is an institution. Right. Oh, and like yeah. newspaper yeah. and all these things included. Um, so how do you feel about working in an industry that often like perpetuates a lot of this toxicity that we were just talking about? Because I know you all have great goals in mind, but the majority. Right. Even this institution is predominantly white. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you balance that? Ooh. If where, you can. Well, the thing is, this I, is where I, we get in trouble. No, the, no. I mean, I think I think the important thing here. I'm a I'm gonna be a DMN stand for a minute and defend a little bit. No, I really think there is like the wide issue of media, like in totality, right? Mm -hmm. And like where the national narrative is. As far as like where local papers stand, though, I do feel like we have a much higher standard about thinking very deeply about the like local impact mm -hmm. that our stories have. Have we fallen short a lot several times? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a learning experience every time. But I think when people complain about the media, it really is largely, you know, it's, it's the national yeah. TV stations. Um, I think also there's like, then you look at all of Dallas media, right? And what does one outlet do compared to another, compared to another? And so, you know, it's just like this, this broad label, mm -hmm. I think. And then you have like the individual reporters, right? Like who's an editorial yeah. um, opinion columnist versus a reporter. I think a lot right. of people get that confused because they're just not very, you know, they aren't aware of like the inner structures mm -hmm. of a newsroom. So, you know, my personal experience is that people see editorial stances that come out on the police department. Mm -hmm. And I think they associate that with me as yeah. the police reporter. Uh -huh. But that, I mean, they are on a whole separate floor. Right. So it's one of those things that um, I think it, it just, the more that we can connect to our audiences mm -hmm. and, and build that trust, that's in, incumbent on us as, I mean, I think as an outlet, but also as reporters. Right. Yeah, you'll hear this a lot from like the older reporters. It's like, it's, it's like a self-admission that, 
okay, we 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 didn't do a good job of explaining how journalism works and how right. it can actually benefit people. Right. And it's like I think that's my approach. Like that's why I love staying in touch with you guys. Mm-hmm. That's why like yes. I stay in touch with so many like organizers in the mm-hmm. area because it's like people will bring me tips and I'll say, "Okay, look, I'm going to look into this." But if I can't actually confirm any of this, like that's my responsibility is to report what I can actually confirm. Right. Well, it's like perfect example was the I mean, we were talking about this earlier was the Joshua Brown situation. Exactly. It's like there's a lot of things that like we like if somebody has evidence documents that the police that, covered this up, this reach me at <laughs> cmio at dallasnews.com. We're, we're on signal. We have an investigative <laughs> right. team. Oh, and, wow. and because like we I mean this is how it works. Like it's yeah. transparency yeah. only works if you have like Brian from yes. the community. Yes. And it's that's ultimately that's my goal. Like at this point, like I don't know how you feel, Cassandra, but it's like for me, for journalism is even isn't even for me anymore. It's for like the the future reporters of color who are coming, mm. and because they're going to be the ones hopefully who inherit a better industry, right? Um, that tell better stories with more community trust, for sure, and sort of on the local angle. That's 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 what we always like to stress, at least, is the fact that nobody's really looking out for you the way that the local reporters mm-hmm. are like nobody's mm-hmm. keeping tabs on city hall but the see and that's way. the thing that it's like i could have many journalists on this show right but i'm having you two on the show mm-hmm. and so i don't have a lot of politicians on the show i'm very intentional with wh- who i have on the show and that's the thing that i'm like I, I hope y'all, rec- I'm, I'm sure you do, recognize like that the criticism is necessary, right, <laughs> of a lot of these institutions yeah. because it's so hard for us. And I'm even like, damn it, you know, when I see him, I'm like, <laughs> oh, you know, like because you don't want to see that. We're so exhausted as people of color of like this not being recognized for so long mm-hmm. that when you see an institution like that that holds so much power, you're like, oh, yeah. you know, it's like a letdown. And so... I'm I'm grateful to be in the circle of people I am because we're all kind of on the same wave. And so we appreciate when we do see journalists like you all that actually care a little bit more. Right. Mm-hmm. And like care to be the face behind or, or to have a similar complexion to the person and all these different things. But it's like when the majority of the people don't, it makes it still really hard. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like or if you know, it's still run predominantly by white people that don't actually understand or care. It's like. Mm-hmm. I still get nervous, even with both of y'all. When y'all called me up and we've had an interview, I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit, what's about? I don't know what's going to come out, right? Because, like, I know with the one we did with you, it was like I got multiple people that were like, you won't let a white woman sing Selena, oh, Eva? And I was like, I talked with her for an hour, and that's the quote that came out. No. But, you know, <laughs> I don't care. I didn't lie. Like, sure, that's, that's what I said. But it's like it does get really difficult, right? Because you do have to build a story, and you mm-hmm. still have to make it entertaining. Yeah. And so it's like... It is a, a strange disconnect, but I think from what I can tell, like y'all are in the right direction, right? And that's where it's like we want the we want more people like y'all because it's so necessary and it's it means a lot to me even when you text me and you say, Hey, what's going on? What's up? And I'm like, Yes. You know, you know? And you know what that that's the way that this goes. Like Cassandra's had big stories that have come from community sources. My biggest story ever came from a community source. It was mm-hmm. somebody who said, Hey, you seen this? And then mm. four days later, I had three million hits on my page. Yeah, tell me about that. I yeah, thought that was, was so like, interesting. It, it, it's so weird. And people, that's the question that reporters from around the country have at this point asked me, how'd you get that story? Mm. And I was like, oh, an organizer that I regularly am in touch with texted me and said, hey, have you seen this? And I realized nobody was like talking about it. I Googled this, this guy's name. Um, tell us was, about the story. So this guy was um, Dallas-born uh, U.S. citizen who... 
um, was detained by Border Patrol, and he was held for almost a month in conditions that were very, very bad. Um, he lost a lot of weight. He wasn't allowed to shower, didn't have access to an attorney or a phone wow. call. Um, and he was Dallas born. And he was Dallas born. Uh, he did grow up uh, in the border area. Um, but nobody was really talking about it. And that's one of those things that the seasons and it's people always like, Oh, that's the power of journalism. I'm like, yeah, and I guess it is. Um, but it's the power of like being connected with your community. That's and what it's it the is. Sources. Cause your like sources people, are everything. yeah, like people trust you enough to say, Hey, to, let me bring you this. This might be something. And it's like, I don't know that there's anybody else you can possibly reach out to who can right. like start making like, hey, I'm gonna call ICE and be like, hey, ICE, mm-hmm. what's going on? Hey, police. Hey, Border Patrol. And like, I badgered Border Patrol for four days in a row mm-hmm. until they finally told me something. Wow. And so it's like, you know, it's it's I, that's what journalism can do, and and I think that's and and on a smaller scale, we do that here locally, and for that's sure. that's what we're always gonna be for trying sure. to do. Rafa, this is my curiosity because you you've been in the game a little bit longer than me. I'm old. I get it. Okay. <laughs> Take it how you want to. Um, do you, th- this is genuinely because I don't know, have people as journalists or as people in media reached out to you in similar ways or do you feel like they are different? What do you mean? Like, I don't feel like I've known a lot of journalists in my time here that are doing this, right? Because that huge story um was because of an organizer right mm-hmm. and i feel like so many people are afraid of organizers and there's mm-hmm. a lot of stigma against organizers when in reality they're the move they're they're change makers right and so i'm like do you have you seen that where like i know people approach you for a lot of different things but it's like i think that's the beauty in in both of you right is the humanity and the ability to connect with people and see them for emotional pain like painful you know <laughs> all these nuances of the beautiful complexity that is being human and so that connection makes for a great story because you're looking up stuff people haven't looked up before because it is a white institution right mm-hmm. and so what i'm asking you is like i, I don't know it's for me y'all seem like a rare breed and so i'm asking I, early like <laughs> if, earlier i was going people to, like that yeah no i was or literally are they just going hitting to you say up when you have a big a story or a big whatever coming up and then they throw you to the side again because i right. feel like i can text obed and be like hey this is happening mm-hmm which I don't feel like maybe that was the norm, but I don't know because I just got on the scene three <laughs> years ago. <laughs> no, like early, there was little bits in, in when y'all were saying what y'all were saying where I was like, man, like it almost feels a bit strange. And that's why I ask like in terms of detaching from mm-hmm. stories on a personal level, because I feel like y'all are very personable. Like I feel like I can talk to y'all <laughs> and growing and up. We're like, like, like Oprah's. Yeah. yeah but just like literally up. like my experience up until very recently was always like for one, you know, from, from one perspective to another in terms of how I whatever my interaction was with the media was always like a this is where i'm getting the information but there was never no real like tie to that Mm -hmm. (laughs) or they're Um, just like using you yeah for like the story and then you're tossed aside that's what's interesting is that even even like from white reporters from older Mm -hmm. white reporters you'll they're still like they're just as human as we are Mm -hmm. and it's like Obviously, they have their the shortcoming is right is the perspective is they're coming right. out there from life from a, pers- right. from a different perspective like mm-hmm. like you were asking like how do I detach from it it's like I can't take my skin color off mm-hmm. you know what I mean like I can take my press badge off when I get right. home and I can cry about a story which I have done mm-hmm. but I can't 
at the end of the day, like I take my my the fact that I was born in Mexico, the fact that I struggle with identity, the fact that goes home with me. I can't get mm, that rid of doesn't that. Get o- yeah, get it doesn't go away. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was all to say y'all are unique and special. <laughs> and I thank that's you so for sweet. it. No, I really do. Like, I know I don't know much about you. And that's part of what this interview is about is getting to know you all. But I think that's a hard thing to do, especially in a city like Dallas. And like I said earlier, it's so easy to just like kind of just let yourself slither into this box and <laughs> and kind of be the stereotype or be the whatever and not speak up or not have an opinion or not connect with anybody outside of the norm right and so i think it says a lot about who you are and i hope that y'all continue to push buttons and get in trouble and and have fun with it right because that's how we like build power for ourselves is really Mm -hmm. claiming our own lane and building our Mm -hmm. own lane as opposed to waiting for them to give us the pass to do so right um we're trying to run the dallas yeah i've told yeah i'm explicit with my the editors i want to be an editor at this paper like i want to be in charge i want to be in charge of good i want to help hire people yeah it's like and they they're very receptive of it and obviously i'm not i know i'm not ready for that because i'm 27 i've only i mean no but i I literally have visualized Mm. this and maybe a head-to-head between who's going to be editor-in-chief of the paper i would gladly gladly work directly under cassandra i always i always i introduced her to some some students from or some members of the the fellowship that i work with Uh the reporting fellowship okay i always i was like you speak on that as well oh it's it's uh, called report for america it's like a local news initiative which is like hey who's looking down who's looking out for your block basically Mm, um and i introduced a group of them i was like cassandra's my hero like i always tell people cassandra because she's out like like her 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 trajectory is amazing like you've heard it wall street journal like she was out there making (laughs) the big bucks She's paying for the bar. Right. Oh, no, no, there we Let's go. go Wait, went tuna sandwiches and uh, yeah. <laughs> like no, some essential oils. Right. <laughs> but I think, but I think it speaks a lot to like where our leaders, at least in the newsroom, are looking for in terms of talent. They had somebody who's got this great track record, and then they got somebody like me. Like I've devoted my entire career to like Dallas and like mm-hmm. freelancing, and you know being paid shittily here for it <laughs> but but now I'm, they need to I'm pay here. y'all better but now i'm here in this building where like it's like hey right. this is this is a stable place and like i'm given so much leeway like i have a great relationship with people like sandra with editors and whatnot and like we're actually i feel like i do feel like we're heard and and, and it can be better like right goes, always yeah. always but it and i think it's getting better and like we like every institution it's it's playing catch-up yeah and I just, I'm just glad there's people like us in there, I think, mm. to offer do you, perspective. Do you feel like the journalists of color are the majority of the ones that are pushing the boundaries and demanding more? Because that's a lot of pressure for y'all to carry, too. And that's mm-hmm. where I'm saying, like, they need to recognize that as well. And I'm saying this across every industry. Right. It's like, they need to recognize how much people of color bring to the table, mm-hmm. right? Like, beyond just a great work, work ethic and a great experience and great writing skill or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. There's another layer that we have as well. Absolutely. I think there is when you have leadership who has buy-in, that's like yeah. the number one thing, right? At the same time, that leadership doesn't have that same lens that we have. Mm-hmm. And so we are the ones who are saying, hey, for example, this or hey, you know, I mean, it'll be little things where I'm going to just throw out a, a, a story like we had this fatal shooting in South Dallas after DPS troopers were here. Mm. This was a young man who was who allegedly 
had a traffic violation and he was being called a suspect in the language but mm. you know we don't suspect? know exactly what 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 and first of all we weren't even being told what exactly the traffic violation was right and so it was one of those things where i told editors i am not using the word suspect i am using the word driver a driver mm. was pulled over because and it makes a huge difference exactly i think that type of language and that frame it's those little things right where you know there is this natural reaction to use the exact language that police use because mm-hmm. that's easy and that's what you lean on but at the same time it's like it's not really the best phrasing mm-hmm. to use right this right. was a man who was driving right failed to to turn a signal mm-hmm. what is he, what what is he a suspect yeah. right and mm-hmm. that's why everything is so important right mm-hmm. because those are the parts that br- that build essentially anti-blackness right or they mm-hmm. make us associate these people with this thought process and that's why people are so critical of news mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that because they should be yeah. right. because all those things make a huge difference in someone's mind right because I, mean, I mean look up until a few years ago i think i think it was late 2000s I have to, you know, I would have to go back and like double check this, mm-hmm. but I know that up until like not super long ago, the paper still used like the term illegal alien, oh, yeah. which is a very dehumanizing. Term, Absolutely, but it has since changed that. I yes. read my stories like it is unauthorized because it's much more accurate. From, and even undocumented isn't isn't that accurate mm-hmm, anymore. Right. But you know, you have these terms that you know we still words are are living, right? And we still right. we can't just say an immigrant because sometimes you do have to make that distinction. Right. But the, you know, again, it's like it's sort of a system that's playing catch up. And like one thing I will say, it's like when I know that there is bias in this newspaper, and one of the best examples is one of the most high profile cases that we've had in the past, you know, twenty four or uh, twelve months. <laughs> um, when Jennifer Emily went to Saint Lucia to Botham Jean's funeral. Mm. Like, I don't know if you missed that, but that yeah. was like, that's investment that the newspaper right. made because right. it was like, we wanted to get the full story mm-hmm. on this situation, this family. And that when I saw that, I was like, that's buy-in. That's mm-hmm. actually caring about this family. The humanity. Yeah. And I'm sure she had to fight for that, but you know, right. ultimately you approve that. At the end of the we're, we're still limited in resources where, you know, it's tough. <laughs> It's tough out there. It's hard out there. Yeah. What? Um, I have only a couple of questions left and we're like, need to end. But, um, quickly, what kind of self-care do y'all do, if any? Not enough. I need to go to the Dallas Morning News and talk about self-care. You do. So I think uh, for me, which as a kid, like literally I was like a little Forrest Gump. I would just like take off running. I'd be mad. I'd just take off running. To the library. <laughs> like, to the library. <laughs> With her books. Like- <laughs> just like everything sucks. And so, um, but when I started working, I like stopped that. And, and running was like the only time that my mind would not mm. just constantly be thinking. And after El Paso specifically being out there um, covering That's the mass lot. shooting, I was like, man, life is just work and yeah. a lot of the stuff i cover is really depressing Trauma, i need yes. like a goal to look forward to so mm. so running i probably need to get a regular therapist <laughs> um i always recommend that <laughs> but that that's it for me that's still something that's important. a little yeah. something. that releases a good little chemical uh, yes for you. endorphins <laughs> yeah like i said not enough probably not what i should be doing but i mean it's 
I've started baking, oh, which is actually like a good distraction. It's yeah. therapeutic. It's totally I love yeah. cooking and baking. It's like weird science that you get to yeah. just sort of do. And then um, definitely that. I like to cook a lot. Um, baking and cooking. Runs in the fam. Yeah. yeah. Um, I clean. Try to clean. I do break off of like video games. I mean, that's, it, it is like, that's it is like literally I'm mad at this one thing, right? And it's like, <laughs> I'm not mad at the world at that point. I'm mad at this game. That is hilarious. Um, yeah, basically stuff like that. Well, good. I hope, I definitely hope everybody working in that field. I know my friends that worked in like producing, like on TV. I just, <laughs> I, my mind would be blown because I'd be like, how you are carrying all this stuff and you might not realize it, mm-hmm. but I always encourage that. So my last two questions are, and we were going to do a lightning round. Right. What are you most proud of in your work? Man, the most proud of my work is really like highlighting those voices that that get overlooked. I mean, that is the power of journalism is, you know, you're able to go back to um a family that's gone through something tragic and maybe at first it didn't get a lot of attention or there wasn't a whole lot of information from authorities at the time. But I go out there, I'm knocking on doors, I'm trying to piece together information from witnesses and family members. And it's exhausting work, but it's work that I'm really, really proud of. Um, so that that's what gets me up every morning is to tell those stories, yeah. find those people mm-hmm. and make sure that they're heard. Mm. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, it's, it's like the ability to like put my life experience into mm. play. Like it's make the most of it. Um, the streets of Oak Cliff, West Dallas, et cetera. Like, so I grew up, it's where my buddies lived. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's being able to like, you know what a lot of people like, you know, people look at me and maybe look at my like earlier life like hi pobrecito you know but it's like but it's like no like this is this is what's made my career is is knowing people on the street and that's Mm -hmm. that's what matters to me i love it i love it okay final okay we're gonna do lightning round and then i have my last question for real y'all ready (laughs) okay you have to say the first thing that comes to mind oh yeah i'm getting in trouble this This is where where i get in trouble no it's not that bad okay okay, y'all make me nervous now like it's not that bad Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Your favorite taqueria in Dallas. <gasps> My way. Lightning. Anywhere on Jefferson Boulevard, duh. Tocayo down the street. Tocayo. Oh, you like Tocayo a lot. Elote is the best one in Dallas. It is. And they're so uh-huh. sweet. I talked to them the other day and I learned the man story. Anyway, lightning round. Right, right, okay. What, what was yours? Jeff- anywhere on Jefferson anywhere Boulevard. Anywhere on Jefferson. Girl, someone will make that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be real with you. Some of them don't eat it. Is Tocayo, where is that? On centri- on uh, across sunset, from sunset. sunset, across that by fiesta uh-huh. right here. Okay, your favorite pan dulce, Juanitas. Was that pan dulce like the actual Paella? like a concha, yeah. like a oreja, or like the place? Oh, the place. Oh. You don't like conchas? Okay, so we don't need your uh, negative energy right now. <laughs> I said Do you not have a favorite panaderia? Panader- Why am I panaderia? Um, El Palote Oh, I like their good. stuff too Good place Okay, conchas or empanadas? Empanadas Oh, empanadas you... de cajeta Okay, well, Bye. this podcast is over <laughs> Duh, Wait, We're deleting the episode <laughs> We have a battle of Conchas versus empanadas I like 
conchas. It's okay, it's, it's okay like, to acknowledge. Yes, empanadas <laughs> are just I just better. think that conchas hold more power. And you said an the icon. cajeta too. That, right, the cajeta. <laughs> conchas are just more A lot iconic. of people don't make the ones or, the cajeta. Piña. 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 I like okay. badass because she makes strawberry ones. Or, <gasps> Ojarascas. Yeah. Alright, next one, next one. I'm ready. I'm <laughs> Now I'm hungry. <laughs> okay. Um I'm gonna just go from the top of my head on some of them. Uh Kendrick or Jay Z. That's literally what I was going to Kendrick. Kendrick, Lamar. Yeah. Duh, that's what we were listening to. Okay, on the thank you. Good job, team. You we're back for in business. Like, did you hear that Black Panther soundtrack? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, do you have any? I was going to say Kendrick or Jay-Z. Um, <laughs> ooh. Uh, Gina or J-Lo? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is hard. I can't even choose it. Yes, Pass. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I plead the fifth. Man. Oh, my God. Um... Dallas or Houston? Dallas. <laughs> I actually wanted to talk about that more because I feel like I want to know Houston more, but I just need I to go in like the thing is, I don't Houston's really know swampy. Houston. It's swampy. It is humid. The refineries down there. Yeah. Cancer. <laughs> I was looking. Yikes. You couldn't see that, but that was a little. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And then a Cristina or a Walter Mercado. Hi, Walter Mercado. Is he still alive? He is. He looks he's like a ghost, but he's, he's here. He looks like a ghost. A Botox ghost. He's basically. <laughs> is he still alive? How no. old is he? No, but seriously, how old? I don't. 70s. No. I, how he's probably 80. He can't be Early 70. 80s. No, like oh. he's been around. Eighty-seven. Oh, Damn, boy, oh what? <laughs> he's almost ninety. Jesus That's Christ. amazing. He's Puerto Rican. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That, that does no. not surprise me. He probably says the N word too. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> no. Pobrecito Walter ain't done nothing to Eva. She's a like we we can't we can't confirm that he's puerto rican so nah i'm kidding i'm sorry i'm sorry is he where's he from like where did he yeah he didn't answer that's tough ponce he's from ponce i'm gonna go with christina because she interviewed people look at him going for the heart what was her little thing that she could do at the end of the show oh that's true what was she saying i don't remember y'all i ain't seen that in a long time i know what you're talking about but i don't remember exactly what she said well, that was our lightning round. Um, that was fun. I could, I, I, we could have done more, but we are already over time. <laughs> so my final question to you is what would you say to your younger self and where can we find and support your work? Oh, what would I say to my younger self? Um, don't fall for toxic men. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make our own podcast. <laughs> Call that. Well, actually, That's boys. Let, uh, rephrase boys. Yeah, boys. Because um, they put me in through a lot of trouble. Uh, but you're still here. But I'm still here. <laughs> and I found it. me a good man. Hey. Dom's dope. Yeah. Dom's a great dude. Uh, um, and then second piece was... What was the second part to that? Uh, where do we find and support? Oh, where do you, much more lighthearted. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, 
dallasnews.com yeah. you guys or on my twitter at cassandra jar i'm like really big into twitter uh i love it i love connecting with people when you guys have questions like yeah. some of the stuff that's come up like concerns about cases you know um i like answering those because sometimes people can't read the whole article and that's okay yeah we really but can. please do read we the whole article. Yeah. <laughs> but please do read the whole article yeah. beyond just the headline. Yeah, it's very sure. important. I would say don't put too much faith in the cowboys because uh, because that just adds so no, much frustration to your life. It's the same as hers. Toxic right. man. Toxic man. Exactly. <laughs> and same. I would say DallasNews.com, and I'm on Twitter at Obed Manuel. I love it. Aw, yeah. thank you both for being here. We're so glad to have finally thank had you, you on. We appreciate your work and we will continue supporting you. Thank, so you. thank you for being on the Colores Radio. Yes. These little wimpy ass class. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You're listening to the Colores Radio. Thank you again to our lovely guests, Cassandra and Obed. I actually enjoyed learning more about them because I really mostly knew them from Twitter. Yeah. Um, and I know Obed is very Oak Cliff proud and we're very proud to to have Obed here and Cassandra. Yeah, good but people. to have one of Oak Cliff's own really repping and putting on is always very exciting. So thank you to them for being on the show with us, which leads us to our next segment. And I'm going to make these super fast because we're over two hours. And I know how y'all feel about long episodes. You love them. You really do actually, but they are long and we're trying to do better, but we're really not succeeding. I'm so sorry. Um, which means it's time for self care. The things I have written down are compassion and grace um compassion and grace are two words that i was reflecting on recently and grace specifically i realized i um always kind of connected to like church but i really think i discussed it before in grace with yourself um and 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 giving yourself some leniency and not being so hard on yourself and being understanding of how flawed you are as a human and your ability to both succeed and fail, but also compassion because I feel like with everything that's happening right now, it's easy to become numb to it because that's almost what a lot of our like traumatized minds want to do right is just suppress it and just overlook it and just put it in the back burner and it's just another shooting it's just another this it's just another whatever and really recognizing the beauty and power and compassion and how you can make a difference um i'm gonna be very honest in saying like i grew up and i know a lot of people kind of grew up in similar circumstances of like um seeing homeless people and like being kind of told that they like should have made better choices and oh they're just gonna spend it on drugs and drinking or oh they're just whatever and it's like once I got older I really realized like I don't know what the fuck they've been through I know nothing about these people and if I have an extra dollar what's what's how's it gonna hurt me to give it to them no matter what their circumstances or whatever led them to this moment of them asking for a dollar and so I wanted to share that because it's not something like oh I'm proud of this you know this is where I came from kind of thing but a lot of us a lot of Americans have that mindset of like 
these people are scum and they deserved it because they were on drugs or they whatever. And a lot of these things to me connect to like mental health issues and a lot of different things we don't talk about enough as in regards to the homeless community. This is just one example of compassion. But really, like if you have a dollar or even I've started to carry cash on me just to be able to give it because Dallas has a homeless issue um, and a really large amount of homeless population in Dallas is black, which tells me that is also an issue um, of race as well. So I really think that we need to have more compassion in these times and recognize that like, yes, we are all struggling in different ways, but if you can have a little bit compassion, a little bit of compassion and lean into it in different ways than you usually do. Um, because if you're listening to this show, you probably have some compassion because all we talk about is this beautiful ability to care and to humanize people. Um, but really extending it in different ways to both yourself and others around you in ways you might not have typically done or were raised to do. Um, so I don't know if that resonates with anybody in the room. If you want to add anything, Rafi. No, I think it's, uh, especially, I feel like it's easy to fall out of this idea of being compassionate mm -hmm. just with all, all the pressures sure. from, from, um, you know, the different avenues that, will ultimately tell you yes this you shouldn't be compassionate for whatever reason um but it, it's just it's easier it really is easier to just like you know respect your the people that that are on this planet with you right for sure um i'm also going to share that the instagram account dallas citizens for change they've been on the front lines of all these different situations that have been coming are happening and I'm really grateful to have made a connection with them. So they reach out to me a lot about a lot of this information. Unfortunately, I can't do as much as I'd like to, even the Colores can't as much as I'd like to, but we do try to share a lot of their stuff out. Um, there's also the case of Rodney Reed. I didn't get to discuss on the podcast episode. If I get to next episode to get more in depth, I will do so. Um, but Dallas, Dallas citizens for change dot wordpress.com. It's on Instagram. That is the link on their Instagram right now. And they they are sharing a lot of the different ways to volunteer and to donate for the tornadoes. However, that page in general is really important to follow because they're keeping up with a lot of the different things happening here in Dallas and they are for the people. So I definitely recommend following them and they remind me to be compassionate both with myself and all these different issues happening. Um, so really try to do that. There's so many different ways to make a difference in Dallas with everything that's happening and, and having compassion is key to doing so that is my self-care corner for the week our upcoming the colores events Woo! do you have any personal updates generations of adam artillery still running fridays and saturdays through november 16th why are you laughing he's like 84 years Cacti later and succulents this saturday at the library three to five come before the other los mortals parade because me <laughs> oh nasty our gray space art show is still scheduled um there's a lot of flooring issues happening still here scheduled for November I'm, ner 9th. I'm nervous to say it because there are a lot of issues that are kind of out of our hand still happening here at the cultural center unfortunately um so it is scheduled for november i thought it was eighth 
Um, it is November 8th. Sorry. For November 8th. Um, however, I hate to say it with that uncertainty because something's out of our control dealing with flooring and flooding and rain and all these things that we don't really have power over are factors that we are working with. So we will have this art show. Okay. It's going to be amazing. The art is some of the best I've seen in some of our shows and I'm really excited for it. So that is coming up. We have some other events we talked about today, um, that are going to end our year off. And we're really excited about that as well. We wanted to have a De Colores Best Podcast of 2019 by the Dallas Observer Celebration. So look out for that as well. We will meet you at the one, the only Peter Piper Pizza off Jefferson. I don't know when it's happening. I'm not giving you the date just yet because we want to finalize it. But it's happening. So if you want to come party with us on that day, we'd love to see you all and meet you all and meet people we don't always get to meet because I know we meet listeners kind of everywhere randomly, um, which is always amazing. But we'd love to celebrate that with you all because y'all helped us achieve that. And that's really cool. And we should be really proud of that because it is exciting. And we've only been doing this two years. Um, So pat on the back for that. And we will share more events next time so yeah (laughs) oh dang it i wanted our next segment is our brown business of the week i actually wanted one of them to be obed's parents and i forgot to ask him so i'm a little bit sad right now because he said his mom makes tacos and tamales and they sell them and they deliver them daily so i'm going to share that information out with you all eventually or maybe on my twitter account at minimum so that's low-key one of my brown businesses of the week it's the manuel family (laughs) kitchen i'm not sure if it has a name or anything at the moment but alongside that i wanted to highlight the og of our chicken obsession um i there was one in grand prairie back in the day which is why we loved it and my mom is very insistent on fresh fried chicken and she don't like when it's just sitting under the light so I recently learned in 2019 that Williams Chicken is both Dallas-born and it's black-owned. And I didn't know that. Nobody ever told me. And now it makes me want to go to Williams Chicken a lot more. (laughs) So it's been around since 1987, just like our friend um, Pat. And sorry, was I not supposed to out your age? I thought it was exciting. 87 makes me think of you. (laughs) Um, You're welcome. Um, so with that said, I think that's really awesome. I'm going to support Williams chicken a lot more because I grew up on it, but then I was like, oh, it's the hood chicken spot. And now I'm like, oh shit, this has a lot more meaning to me now. Um, so if you don't support Williams chicken, maybe go check it out. They're all over the place. There are over 40 restaurants in operation and more than 500 employees. They have locations literally everywhere. It's yellow and orange. You can't miss it. It's delicious chicken. I'm going to get some soon and I'm going to share it with you all on a picture on Instagram because I don't know how to get the chicken to you. But with that said, that is our black business of the week. And now it is time for who the fuck you got with the colores. Go pat pat. Um, okay. So I've been listening to this really cool rapper. His name is uh, the baby. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
hilarious. But I, but I actually told Emma the other day that I was listening to him because his memes and stuff and him doing stuff for the community. I was like, oh, that's really sweet. So I listened to some of his stuff and the beats were good. And that always um, entices me. But um, also. You sound like me, but go on. Well, Pharrell Stan and Neptunes is what got my origins to producing. Anyways, I've also been mostly listening to the early 2000s because it's about to be 2020 and I felt like being nostalgia AF and I just saw Robin. So I had to get my life seen again. Um, But yeah, that's all I've got mostly. I've been listening to that in my Fiesta Obscuro playlist because it's boogie season. So yeah. Everybody check out the baby. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's being checked just out. Don't worry. What you heard about me. <laughs> the baby still kind of scares me a little bit, but it's okay. Um, Rafi? Is he the one that, um, I think that's the one that does all the stuff with Make This Style, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good job, Pat. Um, what have I been listening to? Are you okay, bud? I heard the new Danny Brown was good, but I haven't finished it yet. I haven't heard it. What, let me, let's look at my liked songs. Oh, Eddie Zuko, who has a new song coming out in a couple days, but that song made. Danny Zuko. Y'all heard the Eddie Zuko made? Nope. I think y'all like it. Send it to me. Um, you're not gonna fucking listen to it. I sent you, you songs all the time, and you that's never not to true. Them. Yes, it is. You've done it because, twice. Yeah, and you're like, oh, he sent it to me, but I didn't listen to it. Watch Watchmen. Yeah. Watch the first episode. It was pretty legit. Um, Regina's about to get an egot. What else? Um, what else have I been doing? The new Seven Eleven is open. <laughs> what? The one that was the yellow building? Have they opened that one? Yet? Who are you? Is that one you need to go to sleep. We're about to wrap the show. I'm tired. I'm tired as fuck. So my who you got is the Reed has a new TV show. So I'm telling you, the podcast, The Read, now has a TV show on Fuse. You can find it on YouTube for free. And so I've been watching that. Um, They're like the podcast godfathers. So go support them. Great content. And I have been listening to Ari Lennox again. I guess I'm in my feelings. But I also love her. She has a voice like butter. And she's hilarious. And I like what she's saying. And she's funny. And I just really appreciate her and all her goodness, mind, body, and soul. So that is my who you got with the Coco. I've also been watching Rhythm and Flow. I think it's kind of fun. <laughs> it's like a fun little escapism show. Have you seen it, Raffi? I want you to watch it, but you sure. never watch whatever I say. Nah. S- uh, send it to me. I'll watch it. <laughs> I'm crying. Anyways, that means that our show is over. Woo! We made it through episode 67. That wraps it up for us here at The Colores Radio. Don't forget to share the podcast and follow us on social media. Subscribe and leave us darn review. Like go to Apple Podcasts and rate us five stars and write up a review for us. Or go check it out. I mean, go check us out at TheColoresRadio.com. We'd love to keep growing, so please share our podcast with everyone you know. Tweet us or just hit us up. We love hearing from you all. We could not go on without your support. Come out to our events. Support our POC businesses. Support our guests. Tell everyone you love to follow us at De Colores Co. If you enjoy our personal thoughts, you can follow me at Eva Arreguin. Don't follow Rafa. He doesn't post. And Pat at Pat.Arreguin. Our theme song is Cumbia Anthem by El Dusty. If you really want to go creep on Rafa, it's at Exile, but he doesn't post. Um, <laughs> our audio editor is Rafael Tamayo. 
Our intern is Daisy Rincon. We promise to keep growing and providing you with entertaining content and more importantly, a platform for your voices and work to be lifted. Contact us on social media or email us at decolorescollective at gmail.com. And thank you so much again for, to our guests for being here and to you all for listening. You made it through the two hours. I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a good weekend. I hope you eat some chicken nuggets or something that makes you happy. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Love you guys. Bye. Yo. De, de-, de- Colores Radio. De, de-, de- Colores Radio.